Hello and welcome back to a colossal waste of time, a Homestuck Read Along podcast. I am Carl and here I have with me... I am Fraser and it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to... to we're, we're finally starting. It, 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 feels, it feels like we've been, we've been here for a while. <laughs> It, it does. Uh, it doesn't help that the previous episode ended up being 50% longer than the original recording of that first episode, <laughs> that segment of it. But this time we are back. We are not talking backstory. We are not talking uh, intimate details of the life and times of John Hussey and Viz Media. By the way, Viz Media Andrew, is people. Andrew Hussey. Why did I say that? You were thinking of John Egberts. Yeah, yeah. I, I got too much in the flow and wasn't thinking. Uh, Andrew Hussey. Uh, I was thinking instead about what I was going to say next, which is that uh, I, I saw that um, Viz or maybe one of the associated companies of Homestuck sue people. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, so, they're... they're... Are we are we really are we having this as kind of like an addendum to our discussion last time? Then uh, yes, no, then. I was I, I was just thinking uh, we we should be a tiny bit more careful about what we say about uh, what materials we're using and um, mistakes made uh, in the personal life and times of Andrew Hussey and connected well, tissues uh, so, in case so we get big sued. My my understanding of like the the legal. The legal troubles that are that have happened in the recent past surrounding uh, surrounding Viz Media and I I don't think it was actually Viz Media it was that was involved I think it was what Pumpkin uh, yeah the but game that is... studio behind uh, behind the the Hive Swap games I think there that was... is uh, under the branch of Viz though like I, I'm I not, think they I'm are not certain that it is but the 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 Cliff Notes version of that story is that there's a YouTuber called Sarah Z who mm. does like um, video essays on uh, basically Tumblr era um, drama. Yeah, I, I know. Drama, yeah, yeah. Uh, drama and properties, and she did a video about Homestuck, which I have to be honest, it it wasn't it wasn't a very good video about <laughs> Homestuck. It's she a good video about talk- Homestuck possible. The, 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 in in the sense that she barely talks about Homestuck as as a, a a media property, she just talks about the drama around it and the things she talked about with regards to the Kickstarter and the video game and the development of such got her in some hot water with the the studio behind the game who felt that she was being uh, defamatory. But. Yeah, I, I just looked at YouTube uh, because obviously I'd had to look up some of the songs to remind myself what some of them were uh, before mm. we'd even done the last recording. And now my algorithm does have Homestuck in it. Um, and what oh, I you saw. Do, you, you have to be careful then. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the dark algo now. It's actually like just pure songs and like people saying, like, I've heard all of Homestuck as a video title, but then you have Savvy, which is something to do with getting sued for talking about Homestuck. I was like, oh, 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 oh. But yeah, yeah so- I, I can't conceive as a Homestuck video being good unless it was like 20 hours. 
<laughs> I think you need a lot more than an hour and a half to talk about anything with this. You, you at least need, uh, say, 30 or so episodes of a podcast to actually get the true Homestuck experience. Yeah, yeah. This is the real home of Homestuck uh, discussion. Um, anyway. I don't think we... Uh, one, I don't think we're going to get the attention of anyone involved because we're not b- big-time YouTuber... Get, getting our names out everywhere, getting the attention of these sorts of people. Territory. I don't know. You're talking to famous dwarf YouTuber Carl. Jo- uh, Carl, yeah, my name is on my YouTube oh. channel. That's fine. That's. I mean, my name is on my YouTube channel uh, somewhere. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. You're talking to big time dwarf YouTuber Carl Jones, who got famous for uh, one video <laughs> that he didn't even bother posting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we're getting ruined now. Um, but secondly, I don't think we're going to be in any trouble because I've already said explicitly we're not talking about any of the end matter. So yeah, we can't, I didn't click the we video, can't so defame anyone. We, 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 can, we, can, we can call Andrew Hussey whatever we like. It's not defamatory because it's our stated opinions. We're, we're not going to be accusing Andrew Hussey of any crimes. We're not talking about the end material yet who knows we could end up doing another 45 episodes about the end material oh it, it wouldn't it wouldn't take that long uh I, I could do the maths and figure out how long it would take but it wouldn't take that long don't worry anyway it will definitely take another 45 episodes if we do not actually start talking about this episode <laughs> we we have we have to we have to begin <clears throat> we, the the day is the 13th of April 2009, and we are a boy in his bedroom on his 13th birthday. Yeah, uh, I was actually looking at the calendar then, and I was like, no, it's not the 13th of April, what are you talking about? I am I am an idiot. I am an idiot, I tell you. So, pages 1 to 440, Homestuck. Uh, Homestuck, Acts 1, and uh, a, a little soupçon of Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We we already did this once, and we uh, the, the way we talked about it was unstructured. We're having structure this time. What will that structure be, Fraser? So, the the thing that people might know about Homestuck is that Homestuck has a lot of characters in it, and we are going to be introduced to these characters fairly regularly going forward. So I feel a good place to start in terms of covering any stretch of pages that we read is to just talk briefly about the characters that we meet, talk about Carl's, Carl's first impressions of them, talk about just their, their general, their general place in the, Mm -hmm. in the story. And then once we've got, once we've got the pieces, once, once we've got those all on the board, we can talk about the general sense of plot, which for this episode, there's not going to be much of that because Act one of Homestuck doesn't have much plot. It, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> so we have uh, seven characters in these four uh, four hundred and forty pages. We wow, have... you you you've you've done you've done the the head count, have you? Yeah, I, I did it while you were talking. I counted on my fingers, not on my head. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, see who's I, in this? Let me see if I agree with you on my head count. Uh, we've hey, got John. In, We've got okay. Bose, we've got Dave, yep. we've got uh, Ecto, not Ecto, but I'll just, um, Nost- Garden Gnostic, that's four. Garden Gnostic, okay, you're that, counting that four, as, okay. 
yeah, that's four key characters. We've got Dad, uh, we've got uh, Rose's mum, uh, we've got Nana Sprite. Actually, I'm wrong. Um, you are. Already. You are wrong. Yeah, we've also got the 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 guy who appears for two panels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got him. Uh, I, that- I I'm I'm sorry if if in our if in our off mic talk I came off a little bit disappointed that you hadn't noticed him the first time around. <laughs> I, I I noticed him, but he's he's not there for long enough, so you very quickly forget him, uh, especially when there's so much happening. Around John at the time that he's there. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's that is fair enough. <clears throat> but um, so let's, let's start with the the man of the hour, the the John Egbert. Uh, I am John Egbert. No, I'm not. Um, so John is um, he's thirteen as of that day, isn't he? Yep, that's his birthday. Yep, yep he he's thirteen. Um, he he's. I was about to say short, but every character that is a child is all the same size so far. There isn't isn't actually a height that is visible. uh, There's a standard template for the character design in terms of the the children. Mm -hmm. He has a bit of a plain face. uh, Square eyes, what are implied to be glasses. Um, In an other attached art, I have now since... Well, you can see the art we are using for the podcast he has glasses in it and that's official those art. are glasses yes yeah yeah it just doesn't ever say hey he's wearing glasses so they could just be square eyes he could just he could just be the most unfortunate child known to man um he has spiky black hair uh white t-shirt with a little ghost he has the ghost from ghostbusters um so, and he... uh, okay go on i think Legally, it's not the ghost from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a legally distinct ghost, okay? he He's I, like the uh, Dr. Thunder, the Aldi brand version of the ghost. Well, it's my understanding that, that Hussey has said that people s- say that it's Slimer. Like, they think that it's Slimer, but it's actually not. It's actually meant to be one of the ghosts from Problem Sleuth. Mm. But I don't believe that, green- because... It is green like Slimer, and it is blobby like Slimer. So it does look a lot like Slimer. The the, the impossible thing about that is that we do actually see a Ghostbusters poster in these 440 pages. Uh, We do, but we do also see that John owns a CD copy of Problem Sleuth. So it could also be a Problem Sleuth reference in-universe. Let's solve this. Uh, The Problem Sleuth ghost is Slimer. Is Slimer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was always yeah. Slimer. It can be both, but it is. But it is that the ghost is Slimer. Um, but as you mentioned, John is a fan of Ghostbusters as well as several other movies of varying qualities. Some mm-hmm. of them, some of them very good, some of them very bad. Uh, ghosts. Um, uh, he he's a big fan of them. In fact, he takes that as his username, ectobiologist. Um, he's his interests are uh, quite quite eccentric and well, not eccentric for a child. That he's a child, um, but they're dorky. Um, he he's big into magic tricks. By the look of it, he's got like a magic trick set. Um, he's big and into yeah. Ghosts. He's got a, ch- a chest full of magic paraphernalia. He's got a book on magic. Mm-hmm. 
one of two books that we see him sort of carting about. Um, but all in all, he seems like a average 13-year-old boy until you get to his personality. <laughs> his personality is fucking miserable. This guy is a vetch, um, and I associate with that. I identify with him being a miserable bastard. Um, it's harsh words, but uh, when you when you look at the facts of the matter, it's really hard to not go. Oh yeah, yeah, no, true. Yeah, he, he, like the he, the guy. The guy seems to only have three friends in the world, mm-hmm. and it's not clear to us immediately if if. They are IRL friends. Um, we don't know where... Well, not yet. I don't know. You know where exactly John lives. I don't know if he's ever going to meet and shake hands with Dave. Why, why would he shake hands? Is he doing a business deal over here? <laughs> he, he's not going to high-five That's what Dave. good friends do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You meet, you shake hands. I've shook I've shook hands with friends before, usually on a my picket hands. line. Or yeah, I did, actually. Well, that's because yeah. it's the first time we'd met. The first time oh, yeah, we met yeah. in many years, well, right, many so, years, in many so years of knowing each other. Mm. So you're saying that you don't know whether if if John meets Dave, he would shake his hand because it's the first <laughs> time that they met or that they've met before and have already shook hands. <laughs> I was not thinking that deeply about it, I'll be honest. Um, I, I, I just meant like, uh, is it possible for them to touch each other? Uh, do they know each other in a that- physical capacity? <laughs> But that sounds even worse. Um, that that so, sounds like you're raising metaphysical questions about the state of John and Dave's relative being. No, I'm just talking about their relative distance to each other. Um, it, it does does he know these people in real life, or are they they digitally friends? Um, that, that isn't clear. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't like his his dad's interests that much, even though his dad's interests are. Just as very normal as as uh, as John's, um, <laughs> but he he has a air of negativity about him, even when talking about his own thoughts his inter- and interests. His, so yeah, so some something that that I definitely picked up on John in in this this early part of the reread is the there, there is a bit of a disparity between his. Uh, his speech voice in how he talks to his friends and his internal monologue voice when when he is having his own thoughts and saying internal monologue voice is a bit is a bit uh like here or there because it kind of gets muddled in with the narrative voice in in the captions for the panels but you can still pick up the kind of like sadness that that's that's done that the the twin the twinge of emptiness there there's there's the there's the uh title page panel where he's talking about how it it's it's within the narrative voice but it's talking as if it is john's own internal thoughts where he's saying that he's had this emptiness in him for a while and he seems to just be chasing new ways to to kind of Fill fill a void in his life that he's he he can't quite put his finger on. Damn, he was born between the years of nineteen eighty eight and two thousand. <laughs> um, actually, was he? Yep. If he was thirteen, if he was yeah. thirteen in two thousand nine, he's a nineteen ninety seven baby. Yeah, he's he's younger than me, but yeah, uh, he's he's got that. Uh, well. 
1995 is a millennial offcut, so I guess he's a zoomer. Uh, but yeah, he's he's got the the dead eye, uh, going about life without objective or purpose that uh, many people his age have. But maybe he has it a bit earlier than, than most. Um, but yeah, he's he's a dreary lad. But he's not alone in being a dreary lad. Um, like his other friend Rose is also dreary. Yes, Ro- Ro- Rose is Rose is Rose is a lot more upfront about the dreariness. Uh, uh, not to sound dismissive, but I would say there's a lot of performance with that, Rose's yes. dreariness. So um, it it's a it's a. I, 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 it's it's hard to you don't want to psychoanalyze fictional characters, do you? But, uh, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's get down. Uh, we're gonna get the the post going, the post machine. Um, that there, there is a there is a it feels like a pre- performative uh, dissatisfaction with life. From Rose, mm-hmm. in that Ro- Ro- Rose, like John, has plenty of interests and seems to genuinely, genuinely enjoy them, but is just so relentlessly negative about anything, even slightly outside of that range of interests, and also doesn't seem to be particularly honest about some some of her interests, like. There, there's there's a panel where she is given a a pet pony by her mother called Maplehoof, and mm-hmm. she she's insistent that she doesn't she's not interested in the pony, but she's still she's still named it Maplehoof, and she still gives her a loving pat on the snout. So there's a and there's also Jasper's her her pet cat. She talks about her mum's relationship with Jasper's in very. Uh, dismissive tones, like saying, "Oh, how how could she she feel this way about about this this dead cat?" Like all all of her grief must have been performative, but that that it doesn't ring true. A lot yeah. of what she's saying, but what we see here is like a, a contrast, which I'm using to explore John. Um, mm. But we'll probably talk about it a bit in a moment when we do talk about Rose a bit further. Where someone like Rose, like. Um, openly vocalizes her discontent with life the universe whatever um john john more keeps it inside um he he's quite uh he he plays up that he's happy when he's not whereas it seems like Rose plays up that she's not happy um possibly when she is happy so you've got like this uh this relationship here between how it is a choosing to Explore these two different ways of uh, of expressing mm. uh, discontent, but and a lot of this is also tied okay. up with their respective relationships with their with their parents. Well, I'd say their relationship is more or less the same with their parents. This is how they vocalize. It's that just how it's just how they contextualize it. Yes, like mm-hmm. John, John doesn't really talk about his dad with his friends. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not really upfront with his friends about how much he hates all of the clown paraphernalia around the house, mm-hmm. and he he mentions like not liking the cakes. But I I feel like he's he 
the his friends feel like he's probably joking about that, whereas yeah, John uh, seems to actively really dislike all of the cake in the house. Yeah, and the, the, actually talking about how much he dislikes the clowns and the cakes is really the only negative thing he says to his friends about his dad. And the the one time he does that, uh, Rose openly mocks him for that fact, uh, and then tells him about how much worse her life definitely is, how awful it must be to live in a mansion with a giant statue of a wizard inside the courtyard of her mansion. Like the courtyard of like a hall it, where the it's, stairs it's are. A, it's, a re- it's a really big house. It's got, a cons- it's got an observatory. Yeah, it's, it's a got a custom-built observatory. Yeah, it's got a mausoleum in in the several acres of Woodlands Garden that they have on their property. How difficult it must be! How how heartrending it must be to have to walk for an additional two minutes to get to the kitchen. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, like you've got this sort of. Uh, exploration of how it is they feel about things and for John he he rarely vocalizes how he actually feels about it to other people but in the narrative you you can see quite clearly he he's uh he, he's not happy he is walking depression given life and and that that's the that's the parts of parts of the narrative where he isn't actively being given busy work to kind of not not d- not have to like address that part. Like I feel like there is a kind of shift in in how the story is being told between when we're focusing on John and when we're focusing on Rose. Rose gets a lot more like time for introspection and actually like we we see more of Rose actually interacting with her environment. When ironically, when we see John interacting with environment, he's doing that a lot, but he's doing it in dumb, bullshit, time wasty, gamey sort of ways. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with the fact that John isn't given busy work. It depends on how it is you want to define. No, he is. No, I'm saying John is being given busy work. I'm but saying I, Rose isn't Rose isn't really being given busy work when we're seeing seeing Rose. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll agree with it. Um so Rose. Um we should probably address Rose since we keep bringing her up. Um she is what appears to be the second of four main characters. I'm gonna assume Garden Gnostic will become a main character, at least for now. It's not clear. Garden Gnostic doesn't actually very little anything. has been revealed about Garden Gnostic within these pages. I think she she talks twice or three times, maybe, and mm-hmm. very briefly at that. Um, so uh, Vose is uh, also presumably presumably she's also thirteen. Um, I, I've got to guess yes, that she is. Yes. Yeah, I, I I don't suppose that's really a spoiler to say that all all of these these four characters are thirteen year years old. They're it's not their birthdays; they've already all turned thirteen. <laughs> the odd plot where all of them have their birthday on the same day. Um, but yeah, she has a much more expressive face than John. She hasn't got glasses on, but she's got big eyebrows. It lends her a much rounder look, even though she is also just a square of a circle on the top. 
Um, but even her hair is much more rounded than John's sort of spiky yeah, bangs she, that he's got it, going it's, on. It, it's sort of like a bob with mm-hmm. uh, with a hairband in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she she also has a white t shirt on. This one has the Pac Man ghost on it. Uh, so one yeah, off, I, it's it. You you said it's a Pac Man ghost. I do, I don't agree with you. I don't think it looks because Pac Man ghosts don't have tentacles. Okay. Yeah. It's it's because it's really small. Maybe if they do a big picture of of those at some point, I'll see like it, it, oh, look, this it is looks like to me, some Cthulhu eye or something. Yes, like that. it look it looks to me like a Cthulhu head. It looks mm-hmm. like a face a face with like four like a Doctor Zoidberg sort of tendrils coming off of the mouth. I, I don't I don't know why, but when you said that, I immediately thought of like what is behind the, the Zoidberg tendrils? Does he have teeth back there? Do they um, have like little? I don't Little, think like, he fibers. Um, no, I don't. Mm. I anyway, don't think he has teeth canonically. Why would those have a uh, a tentacle monster on on her t shirt? Tell us. Well, she loves Lovecraftian horror. She she's got a number of books on what are called the horror terrors, uh, and she she's interested in basically all sorts of like spooky gothic nonsense mm-hmm. in fact she goes so far as to embrace it as well as as her username uh the worst username i will add here of of the gang uh it look, let's address this quickly um so there are two ways would you, you, would you believe username. it's not would you believe it's not the worst username in the comic Oh, I absolutely believe it. Okay. Um, but of, of the ones we've seen so far, it is Oh, yeah, okay. Dismal. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't, you didn't notice this at first, apparently. I didn't notice this as, as a long-time Homestuck reader. It, it, never, it never dawns on me that this could possibly have been a reference to what, what you said. Is I, I, I am now erring on the side of agreeing with you that it, it probably was the intent Mm-hmm. But um, it's something that's that's never really drawn. No, no attention is ever drawn to it within within the work. So, yeah. So the the username is Tentacle Therapist. But of course, like if if you mash three words, well, if you mash two words together and one looks like the in the middle, uh, you could also read it as mm. Tentacle the Vapist. Of course. It, it, it's a bit like the uh, Arrested Development joke of of uh, Tobias getting the shortened therapist license plate. I've I've never seen Arrested Development, but I you, you can you can I get g- from yeah. context, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, the reason you would the reason I immediately clock that is because we grew up in the age of the internet. Where tentacles yes. mean either one thing or they mean the other thing. One thing in, is they could mean mm. Cthulhu stuff. The other and thing in 2009, is, it would have been very much the case that yes, yeah. It, the the other thing is like hentai tentacle vape. <laughs> right. So yeah, like there's sort of two two ways you can read it, and it made both of them possible at the same time. I I initially assumed it was. It was just that joke because I know Hussy to be quite edgy based on the things in this first 440 pages. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fair, and like I said, I do, I do, I do now agree with you that it was probably a deliberate naming choice. 
How, however, I never spotted it because it fit. It just fits with the general theme of the rest of the the named character usernames. Well, yeah, and it also fits with her character uh, as well. Like for her to be someone who's really into occult stuff, really, really into the occult, and also really into psychoanalysis. And like she, she, she makes a hobby of like picking apart the stuff that her friends say. And yeah, I can't wait to not like those going forward based on that <laughs> fact. Uh, I already don't like those that much. I liked her at first. I was like, oh, she's a fresh, fresh diversion from John, because we had John for 200-odd straight pages. Mm. And then she shows up, and holy shit, I wanted to go back to John so quick. Send well, me back. It, 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 they're very different characters. Mm-hmm. They're they're yeah they're they're very they're very different people and again like you said she is she is very expressive is is the yeah thing. yeah but that expression is part of her problem <laughs> um so where John is somebody who's quite dreary as a person he isn't an outward complainer uh, and his his complaint about it is. He's a bit more like, uh, this is a reference now the listeners are going to fully grasp. Actually, they might. Yeah, they might. He's like a Dolores Ed sort of situation. Where he just like vocalizes hmm. to himself that uh, the worst things will happen to me sort of thing. <laughs> but he won't say it out loud. Rose, it, she internalizes it, first of all. Uh, she, like, she thinks about it like that. But she also says it openly, constantly. So that means that everything coming out of her mouth is a constant torrent of negativity. Usually she, about she, things she has little reason to be negative about. She, I, I, It comes across that she thinks she's being acerbic, but she's yeah, actually yeah. being a lot more caustic. Yeah, she, she's the high school friend who thinks like, um... Who thinks that being mean is being witty at the same time? Mm. Uh, I'm sure we all had that high school friend. Maybe you were it, um, but but it's, it's not. It's not as if she really even comes across as especially mean to her friends outside of the one interaction with John, where she's she's kind of playing one put being put upon one upsmanship. No, because she is that to her mum. That's she, that right. is the sole explanation we see of her character yeah. with her mum, and uh, I guess that I, takes a, that takes us into talking about dad and mum as characters uh, in, in relationship. We we could probably just quickly stick on Rose a tiny bit. Yeah, further. sure. Um, I don't know what for. I had something in mind, <laughs> and now I don't. <laughs> like. For some odd reason, it exited my mind. So yes, let's go on to talking about. We, the we can we can circle ba- we can circle yeah. back onto it if you think about yeah, it because yeah. it might it might come up when talking about mum. So mm-hmm. so uh, both of our two characters here they have parents, single parents by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wanted to leave it hanging on. They have parents. <laughs> These teenagers, they have people that look after them. Um, or do they? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Do they look after them? They they certainly don't believe that they do. <laughs> what teenager does? Everyone that... wants to think they are fully independent by the time they hit twelve. Mm. Um. Anyway, um. So you you got their their parents, and these parents are 
perhaps a reflection of uh, of the characters we're talking about. It seems to me like John's dad and John's nan are each actually just reflections of John again. Um, huh. We don't see much of those as mum as much, though. But uh, th- they exist as like... A, um, at least at this point, as a as a way for them to bounce off of things. Uh, so what what Rose's relationship to her mum is is it's a thing for her to hate. Uh, it's a thing for her to complain and and gripe about. It's the same for for John, actually. But it's how how they explore that uh, that unhappiness, uh, that hatred. I wouldn't even call it hatred with John. I'd call it just... With, with, uh, with John, it's more dissatisfaction, I think. Yeah, it, it just seems like a, a, a the teen saying... Or annoyance, uh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, this, this overbearing parent um, always and to, and trying to, be to on, get close. To be honest, if I, if I didn't like clowns and my, my single parent had a fixation with clowns and filled the entire house with with clown paraphernalia, I'd be a bit annoyed with that too. Yeah, it's just like uh, my relationship with my dad at that age was probably, it was definitely, that he was really interested in watching uh, alien and conspiracy theory documentaries that were really Ooh. badly made on... on uh, History like, Channel. Yeah, History Channel, Discovery Channel, when that went down the pan. Um, Nat Geo, when some of that started appearing on there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I have a, I have a, I have an Egbert dad. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like every kid sees their parents' mm. interests as, as lamer than theirs inherently. Yeah. And now well, I see now- it and I'm like, actually dad, your interests were, uh, based <laughs> to use that word unironically for the first time in my life. <laughs> and as an outside, as an outside observer, I think Dad comes across as a perfectly like to 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 be clear to anyone who's not reading along. Dad is complete has is up to this point completely silent. He he doesn't say a single thing. Yeah, he more flails about. Um, he he seems like a flailing about arms kind of guy. In fact, does Rose's mum talk? Rose's mum hasn't said anything yet either. Yeah, she she left a note on the fridge, and that's what she I'm left thinking a note. Of. Yes, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, John's dad leaves notes as well, and John John's dad's notes like they're they're really like nice affirming messages. Like it, it's it's his son's thirteenth birthday, and he's he's given this note saying, "I'm I'm so proud of you. You can do anything you can you can believe in." And it's, even and it, even hmm? Rose's mom's notes are supportive as well. Yes, but so, but they the. Each of the characters has a different reaction to these notes. Like John thinks the notes, the supportive notes he's getting from his dad, are corny, mm-hmm. and he yeah. just writes them off at that point. Whereas Rose sees uh, her mother's supportive notes as being passive aggressive. Yeah. Ro- yeah, Rose is very insistent on the fact that her her mum is very passive aggressive. She basically acts like her mum is scheming and plotting against her to make her life worse mm. at every turn. Like, there's op- open warfare in yeah. terms of passion, passive aggression in, in Rose's mind, and she has to she has to constantly be on, on her toes, as it were, to, mm-hmm. to counter any perceived slight. 
And the entire time, she's just thinking about, here's what I was trying to remember before. So it was relevant that we moved to the parents. Mm-hmm. She's she's just thinking of her mum in the most toxic way possible. Like, he, she's referring to her as an alcoholic. Um, when mm. I, I'm not sure we have evidence that she is an alcoholic at this point. Well, as, as, as readers, all we have to go on is Rose's word and... Are seeing Mum with a cocktail in her hands in her first yeah. appearance, but it's also nighttime when we see. It is. Yeah, yes, it, it's the it's the evening. It's mm-hmm. it's a weekend. Uh, if we if we are assuming it, I'm I'm assuming it's a weekend based on John being at home during well, the day. There's one way we can find out whether it's a weekend or not. Let's go to look <laughs> at 2009. Let's hop in the in the 30th. time machine. It is a Monday. It's a Monday. Yeah, it's a Monday. Interesting. Yeah. But I don't think that's ever going to be relevant. (laughs) Well, it it could also be a school half term. Who knows? The point is that it's it's probably a day where Rose's mum can relax. Yeah, well, it's it's night. She can relax. Uh, And also, it's 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 an evening when she can relax. Yeah, but, like, I wouldn't bro- drink a cocktail on Monday night. I wouldn't drink an alcoholic drink on Monday night. I don't drink much alcoholic drinks to begin with. But but, e- but even fine. even if she does enjoy a drink, it's hard to actually, like, not everyone who enjoys a drink is an alcoholic. Like, you're, you're, you, we, have, we have to take a 13-year-old's word that this person is an alcoholic for now. Mm-hmm. If we are to take that word, but that isn't like the the only sort of like negative interaction. Rose is well, it's not actually an interaction. Negative thought she has about her mom, like she she doesn't just see like her mom's hobbies and interests as as lame. She also sees like the way her mom cares about the things Rose does as uh, as a slight against her her personhood um like the the hoover that her mum mm. had uh, like plated with was it bronze? yeah so Ro- yeah no Ro- rose says that she bought bought it for her her mother as a either a birthday or a christmas present i don't actually remember which it was which that's a as very a, sm- extravagant as a small gift child a that's a yeah. very expensive gift to buy to buy a parent mm-hmm. and she did this Passive aggressively because she didn't feel like her mother did enough housework. Even and though the house is spotless, the house is spotless. Well, the only room that, that the only room that is not spotless is Rose's room, which is a fucking mess. She's got shit yeah. all over the floor. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you noticed that the house is spotless because it does it does pay pay lie to to Rose insisting that her mother never does housework. Yeah, like, oh, anyway, yeah, so uh, so you've got the bronze-plated hoover, uh, you've got the fridge magnets. The fridge uh, magnets. Yeah, which Rose yeah, rearranges Ro- to be food. Yeah, Ro- Ro- Rose was writing insulting words on the fridge. One of them was shrew, but she wasn't able to write shrew with a W because there were no Ws, so she had to turn an M upside down. So mm-hmm. Rose's mum buys Ws for for, for the... For the fridge, 
And this turns into a passive-aggressive one-upmanship thing for prose, where she writes like an extravagant thank-you note for it. Yeah, uh, f- fuck Rose. Ro- Ro- yeah, Ro- Rose is is a shitty is a shitty teenager, mm-hmm. as teenagers tend to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we, we have... kind of see the gamut. We we not the f- not maybe the full gamut, but we see. A lot of ways in which teenagers can be shitty t- teenagers across the the three teenage characters that we're properly introduced to within this run. Yeah, how else can a teenager be <laughs> be shitty? Um, what what's the other possible manifestation of a shitty teen? Uh, they, well, they could say slurs. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay, they could do that. Yeah, they could do that. Um, so like, so now we move on to my favourite character in Homestuck, the one that says slurs. <laughs> Make that a t-shirt. My favourite character in Homestuck is the one that says slurs. <laughs> um, uh, yes, it's Dave Strider. <laughs> yeah, Dave Strider. He he has the cool surname, Strider. Um, he is a cool kid. That is his brand. Yeah, it, no, he's not cool, cool shades. Kid. Cool dude. Cool. Cool dudes, cool cool hobbies. He likes cool swords. He likes cool uh, drum machines. He he, and he's and he's too cool to to even make it look like he cares about how cool he is. It's just that <clears throat> yeah. cool. This is the turn tech god ahead, um, Dave Strider. Uh, you've already described his appearance. We don't need to go through that. Um, I think Dave as a friend is an interesting contrast to Rose as a friend to our John. Um, <clears throat> so, so where- a lot, a lot of what okay. we see. So, so the big thing that jumped out to me rereading this is just how badly Dave is written the first few times that he talks in the comic, compared to what Dave is actually meant to be like in the comic. Like the first few conversations he and John have. His voice is it, 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 it's not a character's voice. That's that's just Andrew Hussey typing from what I from what I can gather. Mm. Like maybe he hasn't really even really <clears throat> conceived of what the character was going to be like. I I'm pretty sure at this point in the comic he hadn't really fully conceived what Garden Gnostic was actually going to be like in the end. So maybe he was kind of just winging it, but. The, they get developed over the course of they, this 440 pages, I feel. They they do, and <clears throat> you mentioned John and Dave's relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of the development of John and Dave's relationship happens outside of them even talking. Like it's just it's just the way in which like Dave thinks about John and John thinks about Dave rather than their actual conversations. Mm. I, I don't think we get much of that at this point. Uh, maybe well, that's we, to come later. We get it with um, with Dave's uh, Dave's glasses, Dave, Dave, and his birthday gift for John. <clears throat> I, I would call that an interaction, maybe. Um, yes, yeah, rather yeah. than how they think about each other. But that oh, is yeah, what no, I was. That is what but, I was getting to. Uh, but Dave way. does. Dave does think like when when he's uh, thinking about like getting like John's birthday present, he goes to the the closet and he sees the box that his glasses came in and he, he has he reminisces about getting those glasses and how cool the present it was mm-hmm. in an, mm-hmm. in an ironic way quote unquote mm-hmm. um so <clears throat> what 
what is different here is uh, where where Rose uh, basically seeks to shut down um, John quite a lot in his talking. Uh, Dave doesn't actually give John an opportunity to talk, but at the same time, he he doesn't uh, doesn't shut him down. He he isn't. He, he talks to John like a friend, but and and there's rudeness in there and that you'd expect with a friend, but it isn't the uh, the sniping uh, cold sort of comments you get from from those and where those is internally thinking very negatively about everything and everyone that we have seen her interact with so far uh dave dave seems to have some some good feelings towards john including uh the the gift uh you mentioned mm. the glasses uh dave sends to uh to john as a gift the the con air bunny um mm. and he also sends him uh, a poster for his birthday um in, in this in this first 440 pages and he he is well aware that this is something that john will care about it's something john does care about so he he knows what makes his friend feel good he he knows uh how to support his interests and his his hobbies in a way that maybe we'll get that with those going forward but we we don't see it. We don't it's, see it's, it right now. It's definitely the most emotional maturity we see out of the child characters so far. Like yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave's <laughs> interest Dave's the in most his... emotionally mature. <laughs> I, I'm telling I'm telling you, man. He wouldn't be my favorite character for no reason whatsoever. Mm, he's got this brusque, uh, cool guy exterior, but down down inside, he seems to know what's going mm. on. In and, a more complete sense, and he—he's—he's he's not negative in the way that John and Rose are, but it—it's—it's. It's, there are a few indications that maybe he's not as in control as he'd like to be, especially when he kills the bird. Yeah, yeah. He—he uh, he kills a bird. By the way, he throws a sword at a he bird. He doesn't—he—he and... doesn't murder a bird. Let's be clear. The the bird was very much an accidental killing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's give him a pass, bird killer. Um, but yeah, uh, Dave, his interests, uh, as you mentioned, are um, turntables, like uh, like door uh, interfaces, MIDI controllers. By the look of it, he, he's got mm. like a. It's just a MIDI control. There's not yeah. another way to frame that device that he has that yeah. you can mess he's, with while the page. He's got turntables as well, but he doesn't use them in, mm-hmm. in, in yeah. this stretch. Um, which I guess is the obvious time to bring up something you pegged and clued me into. Well, you didn't peg it, you knew it. Uh, you yeah. clued me into the last time, which is, this is the most obvious instance of it, but uh, all of the characters we're introduced to so far do have some musical interest. Dave has mm. his turntables, it's very obvious to see. Uh, John has a piano uh, in his family house that he plays. Yep. And Rose has a violin. Yeah, they, uh, they each get a page where they get to basically perform a piece, mm-hmm. as, it, as it were. Like, D- D- Dave's page, like, you're performing the piece, 
So yeah, because yeah. you're putting together something from Dave's samples, but it's the, it's the same principle in that each each character gets to like interact with their instrument just and show that they are at, they they they're each fairly talented. Like for especially for thirteen year olds, like mm-hmm. Ro- Rose plays the violin very well for a thirteen year old. Uh, let's let's talk about the uh, the violin for a moment. Uh, can I say it's very fitting for Rose to be a violinist? The instrument um, that frequently gets associated with like uh, a moody deepness. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, I I think that's a cluing uh, moment right right there. Um, it, so, it, yeah, it, it, that there may be something in that. It, yeah. It, like I, um, I would say, that's the the, the child's going for, choice of <laughs> of deep and meaningful. If, 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 you, if you want, if you want to be dark and brooding with an instrument, yes, maybe yeah. maybe a violin is the best way to go with it. Yeah, this this is setting up a sort of playing like motifs going forward with the music. So each of the each of the music pages where they're playing their instruments they they play a particular song so john plays showtime uh rose plays a grieve and i believe one of the samples on dave's is a track called beatdown which mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. each each of these is kind of a core musical motif for each of these characters in fact showtime is partially brought on in Doctor, which we talked about in the last episode, and a grieve is is brought into like bigger, bigger and bigger pieces associated with Rose and Beatdown. Is a, beat Beatdown comes back a lot, a lot as a as a Dave theme. So, so the the it's it's worth it's worth like pointing out that the these panels as they happen because they it it's it's. While it's not really a plot thing, it's still like it's setting up a sort of thematic sensibility with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> where where John and Rose, however, have like a parental figure that is hovering around them. Uh, Dave has something that appears slightly different. We don't fully know yet. So he refers with it, to yes, with it. Within this stretch, we don't actually see much of Dave's day-to-day life. We're, Dave is the last character introduced in this stretch. Mm-hmm. He's introduced, introduced page um, 311. So we only get a, about 130 pages with Dave even properly being in the story as a named character. So mm-hmm. we still have quite a lot to learn about Dave in in terms of like his, his actual day-to-day life and and all of that. But yes, it appears that his sort of um, parental figure is is this person called Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least it seems like the person he he has that sort of relationship or feeling towards. Whether it is actually that relationship, who who knows? Um, and where where John and Rose see their. Um, their carers, interests, and hobbies as lame and choose not to support it. Uh, Dave instead sees as as being quite cool. Uh, yeah, even D- though D- the puppets, Dave, which yeah, is the Dave lamest. says says, and I quote: 
Cal is dope. Puppets are awesome. Yeah. Like Yeah. Uh, I would say they are the lamest interests of the three parents though. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was to be one of these thirteen year olds, I'd be hating that parent the most. I I like I don't know if you had a friend who who had a a parent who had a puppet. No. no. I definitely didn't. Definitely then, didn't. I I had a friend who had a a puppet in a glass case in one of the rooms in their house. That's the and only way you make a puppet more disturbing. Yeah, no. If yeah, no. If you if you have a puppet that can never have any life put into it, that's the worst way to keep a puppet. It's not just that. It's like the the glass cage. Um, <laughs> like it 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 presents like this image that. It cannot be allowed outside. Right, yeah, no, I, I got very much a, um, a, what's the character called? Um, Scarface from Batman vibes, the <laughs> ventriloquist puppet. <laughs> like, like, if it was let out of its cage, it could do some serious criminal harm to something. Yeah, it could become a problem that all of society need to consider. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't vibe with puppets. I don't vibe with clowns either. Uh, but I, for some reason, I'm giving I'm giving dads an out with the clowns. But let's talk about these puppets for a moment. One of them looks, one of them looks racist. So it, I I went back and checked this. I think you're talking about the puppet that's hanging in the shower. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think that's just meant to be monochromatic. I think that's just Andrew Hussey using a. A assets that he didn't want to have in cover, so he just put it in grayscale. Yeah, it just ended up looking like a weird racist puppet. It, 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 yes, it does. It does look sort of like a, a European sort of Zwart Pete sort of situation. Yeah. Oh, that, like as you might also know, as like a gollywog doll sort of. Thing. I don't. I don't think it looks like a gollywog. I, I mean, I, I would I would throw that as a broad label at racist dolls because that's the terminology yeah. that I know. Like the there's what Pete thing. Like that's mm. that's some Dutch shit. I'm not Dutch. I'm not talking about Dutch things. Uh, I would just describe it yeah. loosely as as like in the vein of a gollywog doll. For what uh, it's worth, I'm like ninety nine point five percent certain it's not meant to be a racist thing. Yeah, it, it's probably not. But when taken into context with things Dave well, says, that's so, that's what gets it on your mind. So Dave Dave is a thirteen year old boy who is very interested in rap music mm-hmm. and writing his own rap music. Uh and he and appears Barack to Obama. Be, yeah, yeah. Uh and he appears to be white, which makes it well, uh, does he appear to be white? I'm, what I mean, what does te- race mean in this? I, he look, the one word I he know looks is like hashtag FFFFFF. Yes, yes. that's what he is. <laughs> yeah, he is hex code white, yes. Um, he, so, like, there, there are questions to be raised about his relationship to all of these things that are his, historically and traditionally related to black culture, and except Barack Obama, who is th- American culture. <laughs> Before we, before we get fully in, yeah, let's let's not do that. (laughs) Before we get fully into the race angle, I do also want to briefly touch on Dave's casual homophobia as well when talking to John. Well, let's just talk about slurs in general quickly. 
Okay, so there, uh, there's the arse there, which happens a lot. It's a yeah. huge... It's It comes up so much in the first half of Homestuck because it's one of Andrew Hussey's favourite words in, in the world, and you just refuse to stop using it for the longest time possible. And it's also a word that a lot of Americans particularly still don't really consider a slur. Like... I would say I it's st- actually I the still Americans see who consider it more of a uh, more of a slur well, than say think, like yeah, uh, mm. Aussies and Kiwis oh, and South actually, Africans. Yeah, no, like yes, I would say it's okay. a Commonwealth thing that, uh, as though Commonwealth is a unified culture, um, mm. where like it it seems to be more tolerated in like countries that have banter as a concept. Right. Uh, I, yeah. Fair. That, I, I suppose that's fair. But my point is that it is it as slurs go, it is one of the still more commonly accepted yeah, yeah. slurs for, for general use. And it 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 sucks to to if you if you consider it a slur, it sucks to constantly be reading it and to just have to rationalise the way that yes, I guess these characters are thirteen year olds from two thousand nine. Yes, it is true to life that they probably would talk this way and it's the same with the casual homophobia from from Dave and John a bit in that yeah. they probably and would have been casually homophobic if they were 13 year old American teenagers in 2009 that, just, yeah, in 2009 yeah. that's that's something that you you can't you can't entirely say well Hussey couldn't shouldn't have have done any of this at all because they that the arguments will always be made that he's doing it because he wants these characters to seem realistic as teenagers from that from the time period it was but they don't but But they they don't don't. yeah they don't i i I think there is one factor worth bringing up here though you gotta keep in mind that in 2009 hussey was 29 years old he's older than me now and i I, don't for a week i don't i don't I don't think he was that familiar with thirteen-year-olds either. <laughs> let's not get into that. Let's not. Let's not make it a joke that probably wouldn't play well. Let's not get us sued. Yeah. Uh, for full context and clarity, for anyone who does not know the character of uh, Hussey, he does not have that association to my knowledge. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, we, we we don't we don't need to touch that. What he does have an association with, though, is racism. And I have to. <laughs> what was that about us getting sued? Well, I uh, I have to give a shout out to listener uh, Jester for cluing me into this because it, I completely I completely glossed over it when I went over Hussey's earlier work. He he pointed out to to us a uh, a comic that Hussey did in his Team Special Olympics uh, days called Hoops. Which is oh, a very racist comic. Yes, yes. Uh, as a quick aside, uh, we did also get a correction on on the we did get uh, a, yeah yes, on the old do, comics. Do's do, uh, very helpfully and mea culpa completely for this mess up on my part. I, I should have been fired for this blunder. In the last episode, I said that one of the comics was called an inappropriate time for pie. pie. It was actually an inappropriate time for Ham. I was combining it with a completely different comic called A Steep Price for Pie, which 
actually uses the exact same premise, but with a pie. I gotta say, the steak fries for pie is actually an incredible name. I just like, I, I just like the. You like idea the idea of, of there being a steep price? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, especially right now when I'm thinking about pies so often in my life. <laughs> Look, just, just, just the hubris of of thinking that you can have a pie. No, no. I, I am, I am actually unironically thinking about pies an inordinate amount of time in my of, of my day right now. Um, <laughs> Like, just the other day, I was looking at pie places in my local area, thinking, I want to go get a pie. Um, yeah. Um, I'm but thinking, anyway, fa- well, thank no, let you. Me, let d- me talk about pie. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, okay. They're, have, you, have your pie tangent. Go on. Yeah, like, I'm thinking about the fact that we might go get pie on Saturday. Who we, knows? we might be. Who yeah, knows? We're going we're to meet each other. Uh, there might be pie involved. Oh, there might be pie. God. Yeah, uh, I gotta remember uh, what that sounds like. Um, but also, uh, I, I was gonna make a pie. I was gonna make a whole pie, um, possibly next Wednesday. And then I remembered that my birthday is also quite close. Maybe I should just go out for pie. Look, I've been thinking about pie so much, so much. I was thinking, what if I went out to Meadow Vork's Pie Factory and I got the Desperate Dan pie? Look. Ooh, pie. yeah. That, now uh, that is a shout. <laughs> yeah, uh, for for listeners not uh, for listeners outside the UK. The, yes, they're, they're the context for listeners of a outside town. of the black Why? country of the UK. <laughs> um, like I doubt anyone in like London knows Maddo Vaux. Uh, it's a it's a pie shop where you can go get a pie, uh, and they have a pie called the Desperate Dan Pie, which is like. Four pounds of pie, as in pounds, as in weight unit, not as in like a uh, four quid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get an award if you eat all of the pie. You get a prize. You get like a little certificate saying you do you ate get your all picture the pie. on the wall. I don't think you do. I imagine nah. four pounds of pie is a, a possible. It's a doable amount of pie. It's not an impossible. It's, a, it's a lot. Mm. I, I I wouldn't feel comfortable eating that much in terms of raw weights, but. Yeah, uh, and that's just like outside of the city that I live in and the city that Fraser previously uh, lived in. Um, yeah. It's just in... Let's not give up, give too much away about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if we've already mentioned that we're aware of the pie place, it sort of says that we live <laughs> somewhere nearby. Or, well, you don't anymore. You live far away. Um, not that far. I, 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 could, I could easily go there. Within a day. <laughs> the day trip to go to the pie factory. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Doos. That five-minute uh, diatribe about pies is dedicated to you <laughs> and your your Andrew Hussey sleuthing skills. Uh, and Doos wouldn't even fully appreciate or understand uh, why pie is so important as an American. Oh, they don't know real pie. Anyway, anyway. Racism. Back to racism. <laughs> yeah, uh, back to the uh, the big press issues of the day. Um, Dave says an N word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't say the N word. Yeah, that, that's what I was about to say. He doesn't say the N word, but he doesn't even that, say the N word with a with the non R in it. Yeah, he he says, and I quote here: uh, 
do he's allowed to do this, this because he's quoting directly from the work. Yeah, this is from the historical archives. Um, please recognize that it is not my own voice. He says the word. Uh, sir, could you please read this from the record? Yes, yes. Uh, I'll get closer to the microphone. He says the word negrosity. Um, which obviously in its in itself is is not a word anyone uh, would would use. First of all, well, it's not a real word. As for far one, as it's I know. not a real word. Yeah, and so I I I hated having to do this in the original version of this recording, and I hate having to do this now. But there there is probably an explanation as to why they came up with this word. And this relates to the character that we haven't discussed yet, which is the the um, the wayward vagabond who we briefly see in two uh, panels within this stretch. <clears throat> I do have one challenge to that quickly, yeah. uh, which is that Dave is not aware of the wayward vagabond. No, or he's where not. the vagabond would come <laughs> from. Uh, so, no, this is just a word Dave is using. It's this just is, the word he's using. Right. I, I'm defending it in the context of when um, it's used in the Toby Fox music track that comes up later in the comic. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. But e- e- either way, it's, it's questionable to use but, what is a word based on an archaic racist term. Mm. And um, in, both, in both contexts, it's being used essentially with the definition of relating to blackness. Yeah. The and also, of blackness. Yeah, and also, while Dave in character is a white kid, well, he's hex code FFF. We're not yeah. we're not having the race and homestuck conversation yet. We're talking about Andrew Hussey's racism, but we're not talking about race as it pertains to the characters in Homestuck. That mm-hmm. is a different but, conversation. But speaking of Andrew Hussey's racism, he is also a white guy. Um, yes, it is. So, like. I don't want to get he's too a, precious here, but there are he's questions a white guy to who, be asked. Mm, he who who has prior because he did write the hoops comic that Jester <laughs> pointed us out to the hoops and, comic, yes, and he does he does drop the n word without the hard r in, and it don't stop the robot rap battle uh, graphic novel that he did. Yeah, I'm just so going to look at it, this uh, this comic quickly. Yeah. Of course, searching special teen Olympics does not actually bring up. Uh, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't. I don't really want to do a play-by-play of the racist comic in uh, in in this. But yeah, I just want to see us, it I and guess. grasp it. <laughs> yeah, uh, grasp what it actually is. Um, but I, I can't find it by Google. It, it'll be somewhere in the unofficial Homesuck collection. I'm sure. Um, Yes, yeah, they, it'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be in the Team Special Olympics archive, which I didn't do you delve. Oh, it's Team Special Olympics. Team, yeah. Team, team. Oh, not Teen. No. Okay, that might change it. Um. No, nah, I just get the wiki. Uh, it's not a big deal, though. Well, the racism is. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me seeing it at this exact moment is is not a big deal. Is what I'm getting at. Right. In terms um, of Homestuck, this is thankfully a one-off with regards to like. Well, it's a one-off with regards to racial slurs. It's not a one-off with regards to racial controversy, as I've already 
danced around several times with regard to talking about like race as in the context of the characters in Homestuck. But again, we can't have that conversation yet because there's just so much more context that we need for it. But yeah, there's a lot of ground that we need to cover before we can really touch that. That <laughs> will make me understand what the context is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, but you, but you, you have already seen the phrase "post-racial" with uh, yes, yeah, with regards to Homestuck. So you're, you're, you're at least a little primed for what what might happen. Yeah, for context, where I saw that uh, was an off-handed mention about ten years ago now on the Something Awful forums, which is also a place that definitely understands race and racism. Uh, <laughs> So I'm interested to possibly, uh, at some point, revisit those posts with the social awareness of 2023 and consider what has been said. Um, but I probably won't do that on, on mic. Um, probably won't be an episode that we do. Um, if only Honestly. because I am not, I am not at, at all the person to be talking about it either. I am hex code FF, FF, yeah, no, FF. Th- this is this is another reason that we would really appreciate user feedback in some areas because there I've I also was thinking about this over the gap between the last recording and this one with regards to the LGBT issues regarding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. regarding Homestuck. Neither of us can really talk to that particularly well either. So it would yeah. it would be great to have someone with some authority at least be like I'm I'm happy to discuss those themes when they do become relevant because we're going to have to they become fairly major themes but in terms of like the importance of them and the the weight that it carries and also the the ways in which sometimes they weren't particularly well handled yeah uh, we, just- we, we could we could use. Some yeah. insights. Yeah, just as an example, uh friend of the show, uh Jester. Um not not the jesters in 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 the comic, of course. You mean the Harlequins. <laughs> the, the, they call it Jester Sprite, so come on, come on. Well that that yeah, no, that that's the that's the thing. It is a Jester Sprite, but the track the music track is called yeah. Harlequin. Yeah, and John but, says they're clowns. So we've got three different ways of referring to them. Mm-hmm. All equally true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mutual friend of, of the show, Jester, pointed out like he'd seen uh, examples of people saying like, Homestuck made me realise I was trans or something like mm. that. Uh, and, I've and seen I, similar I, assertions before. I've seen people say, Homestuck made me realise I was, I was gay. And I was like, yeah. how could it do that? And and as someone who's read Homestuck, I I do see like I do I do absolutely see how people could could have those sorts of personal re- personal revelation revelations mm-hmm. come about through their interaction with the text. It's just that without the first hand experience, it's it's hard to talk to that in in any sort. It it. We have no authority. Yeah, yeah, we have we're, no authority, we're, we're and I at this point just have no guys. understanding. Yeah, we're just two guys. We're, ju- uh, we're just, just normal two, men. Just two, just innocent men. Yeah, just two bros, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, I understand like how 
how a book or uh, a story or something like that can can change someone's life. But what I don't understand is is how homesuck can do it. Like I could mm. wax poetic uh, about how reading State yeah. Power Socialism by Nikos Palantzis uh, <laughs> was a foundational moment for me realizing I am a structuralist. But that is a very different conversation than now, that's uh, a conversation realizing... we are not going to i'm vetoing that that conversation yes. we do not have the time <laughs> yeah um but I, I understand like how someone can uh like have this foundational text in their life or this uh eye-opening thing or something that like makes mm. the gears turn um but obviously um that's that's the sort of thing i'm looking for out of the what is homesuck to you i want to know how it is you put that together. Yeah. Obviously, um, there, there will be and spoilers it, involved in that. Yeah, but we're, we're can, not we're not we're not reaching the the LGBT era as it quote unquote the LGBT era like it's like, uh, like it's an era in WWE well, the Attitude there, Era the LGBT era. There is there is kind of like a hard point in the comic where where like. Uh, exploration of gender and sexuality become like a core theme out of pretty much nowhere and never stop being a theme <clears throat> which which is interesting but yeah we no, no conversation around that is going to make sense to you at all without without that context yeah but Imagine. i am now just thinking of stone cold steve austin wearing a pride flag t-shirt just coming down the ramp while the song plays and he's pounding the beers and like doing the no. like spraying them everywhere he's not drinking beers out of solidarity he's drinking some more metrosexual drinks <laughs> he's got he's got a canned mojito and a rosé metrosexual is such a dated term it's, as well. it's, it, that that that's that's a term that is better suited to our to our Britpop podcast yes it is uh, <laughs> the the soon or distant to come uh Britpop podcast um but yeah uh metrosexual is a word i have seen people describe as being not okay to use now and i don't I fully get, understand no, it, it it's it's it, it's not even really referring to a sexuality. No, it's, Any, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's a fashion term, isn't it, metrosexual? It's a fashion and sort of like a personality archetype um, of like an outlook and um, a world view of, uh, of society. Um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that's uh, Blair era it's okay with us sort of like the the Seinfeld episode where they where they say not that there's a problem with that that sort of yeah I, I would describe it as like being a a liberal paradigm in the way that cosmopolitanism is for the French mm -hmm. um in in that right, it's like yeah. an attitude and approach to uh difference um which maybe isn't the most effective way of handling it <laughs> But no. um, yeah, okay. it's 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 a thing. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, anyway, the eighth character is a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the eighth character is 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 John's dead Nan. And this we we have the second to least to talk about with Nan because Nan's Nan is introduced. 22 pages before the end of this run. Yeah, we spent and she's very an exposition. Yeah. Yeah, she's an exposition dump as well when we 
when we see her. Well, a- as a character, she is also explicitly an expedition dump because she is a she is a video game construct brought to life. Oh, the video game construct. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. Um, so she isn't a character as as much yet, but again, I'll say she she does seem to me like a possible reflection uh, of John again. She she is still a character fundamentally within the setting because she is still John's grandmother. Yeah, in, yeah. In some way, even even if that's not what she is. That is still a core part of who she is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess, like in 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 terms of what we know about about the game, it's the this 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 sprite, this construct has incorporated parts of who John's grandmother was into itself. So it has her memories and it has facets of her personality mixed in with the facets of a clown. <laughs> Sorry, just hearing it framed in that way is a bit strange. Uh, it is strange, yes. And, and yes, yeah, sprite, sprites are... that we're, we're going to have to explore um, the, the ramifications of what being a sprite is as we go forward with characters like Nana Sprite. Mm-hmm. Because because it is it is a very strange existence it, as she sort of alludes to in a short stretch here where she she says she can't really talk openly with John she has to talk in riddles and half truths because the game forces her to yeah she she's like bound by a system she is bound she is bound by 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 gameplay rules and restrictions oh you could as, say as, that. There is a tendency within the state, as uh, described in Nickers. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I am told there's a discussion about structuralism to be had in Homestuck. Um, so I look forward to that in 200 in years. Yeah. Um, and and that's and that's the characters. We're not really we're not really talking about um, about Wayward Vagabond outside of that that one one brief mention of the 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 words that was used because as 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 Carl would agree uh he, he doesn't do really anything. have that much of an impact in in this he, pages uh, yeah, overtly he, he he says some words and seems like he's writing some yes, instructions uh, Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, at at a point it looks like maybe he's having some sort of influence on the narrative in in an abstract way, but we're not we don't really get a a window into that within this. We ju- we just get the the indication that he is there and he has has a hand in what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, that that is our our cast of characters other than garden gnostic as well we didn't talk about garden mm. but there's nothing to say about garden at the, this point garden gnostic types in green uh she she sounds friendly from from the brief the brief messages she sends to other people she she's she wishes john a very happy birthday in a nice way mm-hmm. we, we, we'll see 
Uh, also, just to quickly note, you mentioned she types in green. Every character so far does also seem to have a colour associated with them. Um, mm. There is a specific hex code. I had to find them to make the uh, the album art. But uh, John is blue. Uh, Rose is like a... Uh, I don't remember Rose. It's like a pink, isn't deep, it? Uh, deep purple-ish. Yeah, no, deep, not deep that, purple. A pastel-y purple, like a yeah. lavender-ish purple. Yeah, and uh, and Dave is red. Dave is blood red, I yeah. believe. Yeah, um, like a like a burgundy sort mm. of color. Yeah, um, and Garden Gnostic is lime, lime green. Yeah, um, that'll probably be relevant. Um, I I don't know. Mm, might might do, or it might just be a stylistic thing. Yeah, as I've mentioned, Andrew Hussey is very into color theory, but. I am. I'm not going. I'm not going to say too much about about those color choices. I, I other than I really like roses. Roses purple. It's it's a very it's a very nice shade of purple. Mm. Uh, I don't remember the exact shade of purple right this moment. Um, but I'm sure when I look back, I will think, "Wow." But it also I... it also reflects in her clothing as well. So it they're, like they're, they're the colors are obviously personal choices because a lot of Roses. Uh, her roses scarf is the same shade of purple. She oh, has yeah. yarn, yeah, no, yarn in that shade, shade of purple, where she which she knits things from. Uh, Dave has um, actually. I don't know if Dave any Dave's any of Dave's red stuff has been shown, but Dave Dave likes to cut the red. Yeah, you can infer that that the the kids all all like the cover that they're they're typing with. <laughs> but there we go. There are our characters. Uh, and what I'm going to do now is I'm going to propose we take a quick break before we go headlong into pages 1 to 440. The the the, the deep, intricate events of uh, Act 1 of Homestuck. We, uh, we need time to prep. We'll see you in a bit. So, we are back. I hope you enjoyed that brief musical interlude as we went away to prepare ourselves to discuss pages 1 to 440 of the Home Stuck comic. Carl, how do do you feel about uh, capture logs? Yeah, let's get this out of the way very quick. I fucking hate them. (laughs) It, it's so bad. Like I, I, I said in the last recording that that I, I when I first read Homestuck, I bounced off of Act One, and it was because of this shit. Yes. Uh, so did I. The multiple times I have attempted to read this thing after being prompted to read it by everyone around me. Uh, the capture log, the Silladex. Um, this is just a. It's it's the capture log. Uh, this is not good. Um, so. Uh, it's seemingly used as like a way for Hussy to pad time to me, uh, as a way to possibly give the audience an opportunity to make their funny referential joke. Yeah, from the forums. Uh, part, part of part of me thinks that it's most likely the audience trying to make it Homestuck more like Problem Sleuth than it should ever have been. 
yeah, it's like him throwing a bone to the to the audience and being like, "Here's your bit, guys." Way they they threw the the thing out of out of the catalog. They only did it twenty pages ago, but you know they're doing it like, again. That's that's the thing. It could work as a as like a one or two off joke that that John like shoots his phone out of a window because he doesn't know how to use his inventory. But when that is the meat of the comic for two hundred and fifty <laughs> odd pages, <laughs> it's unbearable. Yeah, and it, like we. Uh, like we need to get clear it's not just that they're doing this zany stuff about it shooting stuff out it's also intricate descriptions of how this system works everyone has their own logic in the law that attaches to the capture lock it's it's explaining yeah it's explaining rules that aren't even consistent like Hmm. i i I made a note of it in page 68 they say something about oh i can't john park can't pick this up because it's too big that's not a rule going forward. Later on, people are able to capture log things that are huge. It's ju- it's all just mad libs. It's Calvin ball. Yeah, like uh, it feels like um, an isekai novel. Um, to to harken back to why it was, I was told to fucking look at this thing originally. It, it's a yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing that I see in in isekais quite often is that things will be introduced and then once the author realizes that it doesn't work just forgets about it yeah and like, catalog is that is like the prime example of that in homesuck like homesuck is ex- extremely about it for a while and then it it's just left to die on the vine because yeah, it's it, it's like an inane and extensive piece of of law that is supposed to contextualize how this universe works but it doesn't feel uh, necessary or important. It feels like it's just pandering to a, a desire for some people to have answers. So, like, how how how, how does this world work? Mm. And I have my own questions about how does this world work, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, but this is not a good example of it. No, uh, for, for especially when like, it's the intro- it's the introduction to the comic. Like we're we're told. John's waiting to play a video game. And then mm-hmm. the first 30 pages are John like futzing about in his room, picking stuff up and moving it. Yeah, um, and it explaining how his capture log system works, of which we are shown three different ones so far. You've got John's first in, first out system. You've got Rose's um, weird tree, tree. Yeah, tree Rose's, system. Rose's tree system, which doesn't even work the way that you would expect a tree system to work. Because if you if you said, if you described like a tree, a tree system for sorting items and getting items, most people would intuitively say, oh, so the items are the leaves that you pick off the tree, right? And mm. the way Rose's work is that, no, it's upside down. If you take a right, an item out of the tree, you're uprooting the entire tree and all of the items in the tree above it fall out of your inventory. Like All, all of these systems are deliberately bad as a joke, quote-unquote, but they're just infuriating. Yeah, they're also inscrutable. Um, sometimes, like uh, Dave's system, uh, which is like a... 
a hash. It's, ma- it's mathematics based. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it at all. I'm not a mathematics person. I was when I was fourteen, and then I uh, very, very quickly stopped being it once I stopped doing maths for about two days. Um, I probably would have gotten it back then, but now I definitely don't. Um, even if it's probably really simple, I, my mind just looks at it and is like, the, and, what and am the thing I doing? is, yeah, D- yeah, D- Dave's isn't. It isn't that complicated when you really get down to it. It's just it's presented in a really overly complicated way. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and all all <clears throat> of this is in in service of setting up that the world itself is video gamey in its logic. That, yeah, that yeah. these characters aren't living in a world that plays by standard rules. Like they have an inventory system that exists in a weird pocket space. And the concept of like picking something up with your hand and carrying carrying it around is a bit like gauche. Mm-hmm. Um, which then does just leave me with like this weird thought, which is that there there, there are capture log cards that can be used to expand your inventory. Uh, mm. John John picks one up at one point. Um, and there however, are systems that you can pick up and install into your <clears throat> own inventory management system. Yeah, but then you see stuff like they have storage space inside of their house. Yeah. In the physical world, like John has a chest full of magical items. Well, not magical items, magic uh, tools, like for magic tricks, not for casting like a spell. Tr- the, tr- the trick handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that just leaves you thinking, like, why would you bother having a chest in a world where you've got this? Um, well, we universe? have the answer. We yeah. have the answer to that is that John's inventory system is awful. Yeah, like, it's, it's complete garbage. Yeah, and like once once this starts getting phased out, and we start seeing the the act like the, the characters that have like inventory systems that are infinitely more useful. It raises the question: Why was why did John ever have this inventory system in a world where there were so much better options available to him? Mm-hmm. Um, but it brings me to something I think is worth bringing up, which is that this inventory system seems like it's an attempt to actually incorporate the uh, the fan community uh, interplay with the, with the plot. The very first. Like real joke is like uh, is um giving John here a stupid name, uh, Zoo Smell Poop Lord. I'm not going to go into the Zoo Smell story this time, thankfully. No, okay. <laughs> um, but then like you have the John get your arms, um, mm. or what whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, loads, loads of a, a lot of a lot of <clears throat> callbacks very early on in the suggestions box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which brings me to like the the thought of like, what was it like in two thousand and nine to be able to use that suggestions box? Does that create a different reader experience? And it does going back now. Like I will say, going back now, it makes it a fucking awful reader experience. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, but I, was yeah, it gripping at the time? Well, it it was new. To be fair, like there was there was nothing. 
it no no one no one had any idea what it would be and if they were coming straight off a of problem sleuth they they would probably try they would they would probably be thinking oh it's going to be like problem sleuth so that would be their bar of expectation i would imagine it it is hard to say mm. because because yeah part part of me part of me knows that i bounced off of this Back then as well, not in 2009, but in 2011, it's not that far removed. Like it was still, it was still off-putting. Was then. that far enough removed for the problem? For not, not for the problem uh, for the uh, suggestions box to be killed. Was the it suggestion dead by box. Then? It was dead by then, but that yeah, the the com the comic <clears throat> as it was live at that point was not run by the suggestion box. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah, like it, it seems like um like that was a system that allowed fans to say like John is going to throw all of the things out of his inventory again. Mm. And, and it does feel like it is being given over to the fans, which is why they do continually come back to this joke of stuff shooting out of inventory. It feels like um a like a reference people will keep on making because it was funny the first time. And maybe it was a problem of curation as well. Maybe Hussey just got better at not indulging the worst suggestions that he got. Mm, maybe because maybe. there there are there are parts in Acts two two and three that us the, the the comic was still suggestion box at the time, but it it's not it's not as overtly anarchic. In the same way, and but, also it it might be to do with there's just so little to work with early on. Like the the if the audience only has the, the first page of Homestuck to go from to suggest things to do, then it, of course it's going to be completely inane because it's not based on anything in the world itself. Whereas once you once you're an act or two in. A reader who's actually been reading along, who wants to make a suggestion, is going to make a suggestion that's actually grounded in what's been set up. Mm. It might also be a fact of as the audience continues to grow, the suggestions box becomes absolutely unusable. That is very much part of it. Yes, it, it, Andrew Hussey, in fact, explicitly has said at one point over by within like the scope of like act five or six, he said he was getting so many suggestions at some points that it was so easy to just do what he wanted to do anyway, because someone would have already suggested it. <laughs> if you have enough suggestions coming in, someone is inevitably going to suggest what you were going to do anyway. So you can still honestly say, yes, I am using the suggestion box. It's just, that you're using what you wanted to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got this... Uh... And I don't, I don't even think that's particularly disingenuous, because nah, at, at, that, at that point, what else... If, if you are getting like so much noise in on the, on the suggestion box, you are only going to want to use what you think is good anyway. No, I mean, if it's like you say, where he, he, he gets the suggestion he was going to use anyway in there, like to say it's really a true suggestion box when you're just using the things you would have used mm. 
Like that. Well, that's I'm, it. Like, I'm not saying it's a deep disingenuousness. I'm saying yeah. that it's a. It's just a, a system that clearly isn't working anymore. Uh, yes, and, that, and that's why it got axed. Like Act Act Four was like the period where <clears throat> he was basically doing that, where he was getting the suggestions that he wanted anyway. And yeah. Act Four's writing is pretty much the same as the writing going forward once the suggested box is completely axed at the end of Act Four. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't know that the suggestion box hadn't already been gone at that point. Mm. Uh, but what it does do at this point in the plot is it leads to uh, what I would just describe as monkey cheese, random humour, like in Invader Zim sort of shit of like, mm. we're just going to say a wacky zany thing. Like, um, yeah. like, like the, squawk the pl- like a bird, shit on the desk and stuff like that, which yeah. is like- page 16. Yeah. The plot as we're given it is that John wants to get the disc for a video game he's been looking forward to called Suburb. Yeah. And the the premise, like the title of the of the comic is called Homestuck. So the the opening premise was that, oh, the game is outside, John is stuck at home. Like he can't get outside to get the game. So the first like run of like a hundred and 50 pages? Yeah, it's is, him struggling is, just to get outside his house. It's him trying to get out of his house, yes. Mm. And that nothing much is happening. We're introduced to Rose and Dave, not in name, but over the chat logs. And they, they talk about the the game, basically. Ro, Rose makes it clear that she very much wants to play the game with John. Whereas Dave is, it doesn't particularly care one way or another. It's just he wants Rose to kind of get off his back about it. I guess. Yeah, he's dismissive. Yeah. Um, and like the way they're chatting with each other is like a sort of AOL messenger or MSN messenger mm. sort of thing called Pestichum. Um, like they, they, he invents like all his own little referential software systems throughout all of this, including like UI systems. Uh, Hussey does that is, yeah, and I I do actually respect his attempt to build his own little internal universe of tools, systems, uh, and ideas. Just, just as long, as, just as long as we're not including the capture log system as part. Yeah, of that. like like as long as it isn't like incredibly overbearing and derailing in a way that the the capture log ends up being. Um, the capture log is just like a bit too far, a bit too consuming. Um, yes, yeah, he, because he's at his house and he's trying to get the game. Um, the the game has been locked in uh, his dad's car because his dad yeah, his dad's yeah. come home from the supermarket with uh, ingredients to to bake John birthday cakes because it's John's mm-hmm. birthday and dad lo- loves baking so. What better to do than to bake lots and lots of birthday cakes for the birthday boy? But the 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 copy the copy of the game and some of John's birthday presents that have arrived in the post have been locked in his dad's car. So he's trying to get out there, out out past the front door, past his past his dad, and get get those so he can actually play the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, we got this like annoying fans uh getting in his way of doing that by uh 
by putting up barriers of suggestions. Uh, what I'll quickly ask, which is why I brought it up, is um, I think I noticed early on in Homestuck um, was that some words would be fully capitalized, yeah. like keywords. Uh, to anyone that was there on the MS Paint Adventures forums at the time, please let me know. Were these keywords of items that you were prompted to interact with? Were these what you were providing suggestions to use? Or were you able to provide any sort of suggestion? Like mm. it, it is odd that, like, say, Capture Lock or like even Cake, I believe Cake is fully capitalized. Is that what the intent of that was? It just stands out to me as something that mm. um, uh, it, is odd. It's a reasonable question, one that I don't know the answer to. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we keep going, we keep going. Like he's trying to get out there, and he runs into his dad downstairs. His dad's out the car, and we get a section called a strife. This, what is a strife? This. this... It's not really the first animated page because the first page of the comic is animated. And yeah, yeah. Other small animated bits here. But this is the first... Um, in fact, it's not even the first S page, is it? Because uh, the the piano page would have been before this with Showtime. Was it? Right? Or was does the strife come before the piano page? Because Showtime is page 77. Uh, yeah, the Strife page is 90. Um, right, so, okay. Yeah, it, the piano does come first. Yeah. But there isn't much animation on the piano page other than John just moving his hands a bit. But it's 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 the S page is a a thing in Homestuck which is in, indicative of there being sound on the page. And usually when there is sound in the page, it's also a more involved flash animation. And this is the first of the more involved flash animations where John has a a small animated like fight with his dad. It's yeah, not, it's not particularly detailed. It's not it's not it's not great. There there's a later one with Rose and her mum which is far more fully realized as it were and then you you can probably infer from the way that things tend to cycle that there might also be two more strives coming up in the near future. Yeah, maybe. D- Dave might have one. I don't know why they didn't do one with Dave with the bird. I'll be honest. <laughs> because the, the bird didn't have a chance to fight back. It would have been better than just yeah, him you, you, doing the, yeah. the, the same joke again. Like, right, yeah, it, it would be better if not a if not a capture log thing. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, these strifes are like little battle segments, um, not very deep or serious battle segments. Um, it's like set up a little bit like an RPG battle yeah. where there there John has two options. I think it's a, a grieve and abjure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like one of them is him like attacking, one is him defending, and that that's basically all it is. Like Dad's not really even interested in a fight; he just wants to give John a cake. Yeah, and John he just doesn't wants want to, be to take nice. the cake. Yeah, he just wants to be friendly. But Dad but, gets uh, the upper hand because he pies him. Yeah, uh, but we we have John trying to beat his dad with a hammer. <laughs> His dad does not think anything of this fact. I do. Like, for all you know, strives are actually an, an 
just a normal part of this video gamey world. For but all I know, it's just a figment of his imag- imagination, which is what I actually al- think it is. Or also that, yes, that could also well be it. Because like, if I, if your child's attacked you with a hammer, it would probably it, it would probably raise raise a few questions and a few bruises. Uh, like you'd you'd have a fair bit going on if you got smacked with a hammer, yeah. even if you're a dad. Even dads are taken down by hammers. Yeah, and and Rose Rose attacks her mother. Like Rose tries to gouge her mother's eyes out with knitting needles. <laughs> yeah, like the the one with Rose. I, I it's it's why I really really turned on Rose as a character. Um, for it's reasons. dark. It, it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, John John is sort of struggling back and forth with his dad here, struggling to get the game, but then he gets it. He gets a parcel from outside, brings it inside, and two, he's got... Two parcels? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, no, wait, one, no, he only... What was the reason why he didn't get the second parcel? I knew, no, he gets the blue One's parcel, locked in the, the car. The green parcels, oh, one, one is locked in the car, the other two yeah. are brought in. Yeah, it's right. on the chair of the car inside, um, and the one's just in the, in the living, oh, living room or the kitchen. Uh, his dad's already brought it inside. Yeah. And his dad has also bought him a birthday present of a huge um, clown doll, or a jester yeah, doll, yeah. or a harlequin doll, depending on depending on your point of view. Again, um, it's definitely a clown. Come on, there's no difference. If it, if it was a clown, then why why is it called jester sprite? <sighs> it's because it's interchangeable. It's not an important <laughs> distinction. Let's not get trapped on what it is. It's definitely not Harlequin. Who the fuck uses the term Harlequin? The comic uses the term Harlequin. Yeah, I'm not respecting the use of the term <laughs> Harlequin. I'm sorry, I'm just not. Stick to clown. Maybe Jester. Maybe Jester. Maybe Jester. Yeah, it's, I'm not confident on it. I'm not certain. But clown, so, always a full- a full 140 pages into this comic, John finally installs the game. Suffer. Yeah, a quarter of the content that we're covering, over a quarter, is... It's, it's just nonsense. Yeah. Infantry management. Yeah. F- fucking hate how much it wastes your time with this. But yeah, um, he, he, he dicks about with the capture log a bit more, actually. Uh... <laughs> He doesn't just immediately go put it in. He, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just getting it out I'm, of my just, inventory. I'm just taking all of that as as, as rope now. <laughs> yeah. If, um, but by 150, he is finally put it in. He's connected to a server, which his friend Rose is hosting. And we see Suburb. It's got a full interface, and it seems to be like The Sims. But like The, the Sims... World, but the real world. So Rose is playing The Sims, and John is in her game. Yeah. But John is playing a game in his own house with real objects that Rose is bringing into his world. Mm-hmm. Or it... his, his, or the house, or like what what the 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 term that I'm probably going to use is instance. Just okay, because yeah, that, I'll that's the most that. that makes the most sense in terms of video game logic. Yeah, he's is in that, a is, he's in an instance of West Winged. 
Um, but yeah, he, he, he's uh, like uh, running about the house while Rose trashes it. Uh, Rose so, has a bad connection. Rose has a bad connection. She also doesn't know how the game works. So she tries picking up a few objects and that works fine. Then she starts trying to pick up objects that are rooted into the structure of the house, like mm-hmm. the bathtub and the toilet. And that starts just demolishing parts of the house. Which yeah, like, is fine, uh, she actually. She drops a bathtub on the top of the stairs. Shut, yeah, basically blocking John. Um, <clears throat> but as as they're doing this, she does stick down uh, a few game items, which I don't remember the full name of anymore. Uh, there's right, one called so- the Alchemeter. So the first one is the Crux Extruder, and this goes in the living room. And this uh, produces a glowing circular orb called the Sprite Kernel, Mm -hmm. and like dowels of glowing blue material called Cruxite. The second thing she puts down is called the Totem Lake. And this, yeah. it, that's just a lathe. And the third is the alchemeter, which yeah, puts on the the, the balcony. Yeah. Is that a balcony or is it just a roof? I wasn't quite it might sure. Be both. On that. Yeah. But it, it get it goes up there. It goes up there. Mm. Um, and John has to sort of figure out what's going on with with these things. Right, because because the game the game is a beta, and Rose Rose only has a few really poorly put together game facts to go off of, mm-hmm. uh, and this is where I start thinking like, how is it that Rose is seeing what is happening here? Um, how is the game projecting to Rose the things that she can see on her system? Mm without John also being able to see what is projecting it. Like you you like I'm thinking of like the uh the camera in Mario sixty four where the camera is right. uh, it's diegetic. That, yeah, it's something that exists in the world. Um I, I just think it's something to think about for me. Like mm. how is she seeing there, this? Yeah, there does there doesn't seem to be a diegetic camera. Mm-hmm. Um but it it's just making me think that like this game is actually just a weapon. This is a this is a well, way it, you terrorize someone's life uh, without them realizing it. Maybe can well, be walk vamps. What so so what what do we see of wandering vagrant? No, sorry, not wandering vagrant. Uh, wayward vagabond in in this stretch of pages. We we see we see him find a screen that shows this camera perspective on it. And then we see hints of him being able to affect the narrative. Mm. So maybe, maybe you're onto something with with that, that train of thought. Okay, so it's probably some sort of weapon for manipulating the world. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it is, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a very cogent point that mm. that there there seems to be something up, like obviously there's something up with the software because it it ends up 
apparently summoning meteors to destroy your house, which is the next thing that happens in the plot. Yeah, uh, John messes with one of the uh, machines, and it creates like a uh, a pulsing, mm. not pulsing, like a... the, the, yeah, the crux extruder when it when it uh, emits the the sprite kernel, a timer appears on on the base of it, which mm-hmm. seems to be counting down to something, and it creates like a an epilepsy ball, um, like it mm. spits out this thing that is like flashing um I, I can't think of what the word would be would it be pulsating that you would describe it as strobing that's it yeah strobing yeah. a strobing ball um and uh a, a, it's like a three minute timer or something like that starts counting down it it is three minutes and 14 seconds something that you have to yeah that's pie keep in your head oh. is that numbers are also a recurring theme 4.13, the date the comic starts, those three numbers are going to come up a lot together. Hmm. Are you dead? Did that, did that, or have you, have, any you, other, have you come up with something? <laughs> thinking of any other numbers that I remember seeing in it that I just brushed aside. It's, it's, not, it's not important per se, but... It, it it is something that comes up all of the time in the comic. Mm. The, the, um, the, the 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 date the date the comic starts uh, four thirteen comes up constantly. Okay, I'll, I'll have to keep my eye out for it going forwards. Um, otherwise, I'll be sitting here thinking again of numbers and how many of them I might have missed. <laughs> uh, and I will be doing that for a while. Turn into Jim Carrey from that awful numerology film. What awful numerology uh, film? The number sixteen, or f- I've I never heard what, of that. exactly what, what the number in the title is. But it's it's about Jim Carrey become Jim Carrey's character, obviously not Jim Carrey himself, becoming obsessed with numerology and going mad. But what if it was actually Jim Carrey himself? That's that's the thing, like. It, I don't think Jim Carrey is quite on the Nicolas Cage level where all characters that Nicolas Pe- Cage plays are Nicolas Cage, but he's getting there. No, I wouldn't even say he's close. You have to go quite far to to become Nick Cage. Speaking of Nick Cage, he's someone who's really? in this a lot. <laughs> he's he's in Homestuck. John, John is a big fan of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, mm-hmm. like... He loves and, um, movies, and Connor happens to be one of them. Uh, possibly his favourite, maybe other than Ghostbusters. Maybe Connor is his mm-hmm. favourite, but he, he, yes, he 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 idolizes Nicolas Cage in in his way. Mm-hmm. And is the other one uh, Matthew McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey is the other actor that he idolizes. Which very uh, weird, weird choice. I can <laughs> understand and appreciate. Liking Nick Cage, there's something about that man that is inherently likable. And and technically, there's a third actor who he idolizes, Harry Anderson, which is an even weirder one to go with. But <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a bit. Um. Yeah. Uh. This this thought was mentioned worth sprinkling that one in. Uh. Just because we did g- glance by all the things in in his room. 
Um, yeah, no, <clears throat> it, it's worth it's worth mentioning Nicolas Cage because yeah, the, his birthday present is the bunny from Con Air. Like that's how important Nicolas Cage and and Con Air are to him. Is that that would be like the perfect birthday present for him. Mm-hmm. Um. The way this stuff is integrated into the the visuals of Homestuck, though, is very, very clumsy. It looks messy when you... It looks messy to me when you see, like, um, a poster uh, in the real world laid into this, like, <laughs> in-universe thing. It's like... Um, yeah, yeah. Like like in anime, when they go to, like, uh, a manga shop or something like that, and you see, the, like, an actual an actual photograph of, of, the, uh, of the books... You're like this does right. not look good. This this looks a bit rough, but in Homestuck it goes a bit further beyond because then you also end up with like UI elements tacked on top of them as well, and mm. you've got like text yeah. all over the place. Like, look at chapter one hundred and eighty-one chapter. Yeah, there we go. I finally said chapter. <laughs> you you managed you managed to shoehorn it in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the 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 page one hundred eighty-one is. A chaotic mess. It yes, yeah. I remember you. I remember you saying like there is so much UI going on, and your UI right, and like, different art uh, art design approaches. Like you've got, I think you've got posters and stuff like that in it as well in the background. You, you yes, you have you had Dad's clown art in the background. Mm-hmm. You, you have like a very a very low quality doodle of nana in in the corner mm-hmm. you have you have the weird clown doll you have the the epilepsy sprites you have the ui for suburb and you have the ui like yeah. yes there is there is so much noise in there i, I, I get- don't i don't i don't know if i i've i'd say it's it's a bad <clears throat> thing really like oh no it's it's, it's not it's just like such a chaotic looking image though because of it there's just so much oh, going on with it, yeah. Um, and and that that the the kind of uncanny juxtaposition between like these these very like low detail drawings and also like incorporating like photorealistic stock imagery that yeah. that that that's that's an Andrew Hussey kind of staple sort of like one one of the one of the early jokes in. In um, Problem Sooth incorporates like an incongruent photorealistic thing coming into play. Mm. Okay, um, but we keep going, um, and uh, the Harlequin uh, is accidentally shoved into uh, this this uh, pulsating. Yeah. Not, and not before it takes a beating, because... because oh, yeah, it loses not, an arm, yeah. Well, first it has the arm stuck onto it. John just vandalises <clears throat> his birthday present straight out the gate by sticking arms onto the Harlequin with cake frosting. Yeah, then, yeah. Then he loses an arm just because cake frosting isn't a very good adhesive. Then John shoots glass out of his inventory at high velocity, completely eviscerating the Harlequin's face. So what you have going into the the epilepsy ball is a one-armed, one-eyed Harlequin doll. Yeah, a traumatized clown, basically. I'm not going to call it a Harlequin, but, but but still smiling. 
even though the song Harlequin is even is, though the song is called Harlequin, yeah, it is in this. You'll be uh, playing it in this episode. Yeah, and uh, 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 the listener will know right now because it is playing right now. Hi, listener. We're talking to you. Um, Over Harlequin. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the, it, it, like, this thing becomes like some. It becomes a disembodied yeah. head and arm. Yeah. Like, it's, it seems to have picked up two, two key elements, which is the harlequinousness of the object and the one-armedness of the object, which is strange. E- even as someone who's read the entire comic, it is strange. But we don't get to linger on this for too long. Uh, we're introduced to the concept of uh, Buildgrist, and I'm not going to go into the... Uh, Philosophy of Buildgrist uh, and the there was a good twenty five minutes of a Buildgrist discussion in the original recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there is a. I'll read the the thing I wrote. Out. We're not going to go into it though. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. just let you. I'll just let you say your piece. <clears throat> Otherwise, people will just be confused. What I mean? Why I would talk about it for twenty five minutes? So they need to at least get that <laughs> bit. So from my notes. Uh, verbatim, chapter 199. What does gaming abstraction mean in the context of Buildgrist? The game is the world they live in, it seems. It creates physical matter that exists in the world. It is not an abstraction, then, but a sheer mechanical facet of the game, which also makes it a physical quality that does exist. It is not a generalisation to explore rules or logic or ideas, but instead it is the rules. Buildgrist appears to be, <clears throat> sorry, uh, appears to basically be like a cement or a concrete, but it is being referred to as the abstract when, in fact, this concrete is the concrete of the universe itself. Thus, Buildgrist is both concrete, open bracket, categorical concept of stone which sets into hard and formed, closed bracket, but also the real concrete, open bracket as in not an abstraction, but the actuality in a real set of circumstances, not some meta- metaphysical concept from philosophy. Close bracket. It is by its very nature in opposition to the abstract. I am so angry. Full stop. End quote. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Moving yeah, on. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure they were filled by that one. Um, but hey, look, I, I wrote a car post somewhere in there, so they, they got to gotta get it. They gotta get the post. John looks up into the sky and notices that a meteor is falling from the sky. Mm. And it seems to be on the direct collision course with his house. Mm. At about the same time, Rose drops from the connection. Yes. <laughs> because And John quickly flails to his computer like, I need help. I, what do I do? But she's not there. But Davis, Davis, he doesn't have any useful information to give him, though. <laughs> he doesn't have anything he, of value to say. He, he, he has some thoughts. Uh, uh, one of my favourite early Dave conversations is his thoughts about how you, sh- how you should best describe the size of a meteor. 
Yeah. How, how, in 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 Armageddon terms, is it what is what leads into the racist remark? But it's still a funny like bit of observational humor in my mind. Yeah, but you also have like his his talk and attitude to about and towards women, which is like where he describes Rose as a flighty broad. Which, ish, Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Ish. But at hey, this point. He- we, he only has three friends. Yeah. And one of them he considers a flighty broad. So, <laughs> you know, that might explain a bunch of things. Uh, Rose has we, gone offline because of her own problems. There are forest fires out in her back garden because there yeah. is a meteor shower going on. Yeah, this is where we cut away and we see her for the, the first time on her side. Uh, as mentioned, her room that we see is a complete dump. It looks like shit. Uh, she's it's, got, not, it's, it's not that bad. She's it's, got it's stuff just... all over the floor. Like when you contrast it to John and the rest of her house. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you see that uh, like it, it is comparatively messier. Mm. But but the, stu- the, the mess is her knitting projects and her journals and... It's, yeah. it's all stuff relating to her hobbies. It's not trash. It's not yeah, like it's, she's it's got not junk. She doesn't clean up after herself. That's all. Dave. Dave has a messy room. Dave's allowed a messy room. <laughs> he's not complaining about a mess. He's a elsewhere. cool. He's a cool kid. Yeah, he, cool kids like, are allowed to be as messy as they want. I I would hold it against Dave if he was not complaining. Uh, sorry, if he was complaining about like his bro not cleaning the house, but he's not. He doesn't do that. He's not no, a hypocrite, unlike Rose. I'm looking at you, Rose. You're a hypocrite. We're, ju- uh, we're judging. Yeah, I'm not That's tolerating her shit. Yeah. Um, but we we see Rose for the first time um, here. Uh, she she does like a load of different facial expressions in this. It seems like it was an opportunity for. Hussy to flex that, hey, I can't actually draw people that don't have square eyes and can do more than two facial expressions. Getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we cut back and forth between between Rose and John uh, in this section here. She's like sort of struggling about trying to get reconnected um, while John is just sort of fumbling about in his house, like with the... uh, with the totem that has been given to him, or like the the crooks, uh, trying to figure yeah, out just how try, it is try, he works with him. trying to do anything that works, basically. Yeah, like he he tries to put the uh, like random items into the the totem uh, machine, and it spits out not a lot of useful stuff, if I remember rightly. Uh, what you're thinking of is probably a bit later on. Uh, you're 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 thinking when he's trying to like make the blocks and the and the like. Nah, because he gets the apple around about this time. Yes, which does yeah, come the, from the uh, from the the, a- the apple comes from the punch cards. So he he yeah, he, like he's put ro- he's ro- putting a bunch yeah. of stuff inside of the totem generator, trying to figure out what he should do with it, if I remember rightly. Mm. And eventually, he puts the punch card in and the um, and the crooks. Yeah, and that that gives him this apple. Yeah, and the yeah. entire time that he's he's doing this, Rose is actively writing her own game FAQ guide for suburb. 
and she is fucking terrible at writing a game FAQ guide. And I, I have read many bad game FAQ guides in my time. I am like the world's biggest fan of Digimon World, which did not have any good guides in the day. <laughs> it just had wrong information in every single one because nobody knew how that game worked. And nobody knows how Suburb works, but those manages to transcend the Digimon World guides and like like yeah. books, reams of information dissing and uh insulting the intelligence of, of the reader and, while and, not giving yeah, clear D- instruction. Dave calls it out a bit later and and Dave's absolutely right. Like it's 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 awful, awful yeah. writing. Yeah, like uh, it's it's a guide. It needs to be written as instructions, simple and plain. She would never especially, be able to work for, for the Especially government. for a game with an apocalyptic time limit. Yeah, yeah. It's got a three-minute time limit to spend 25 minutes reading the guide. And that and that's another joke I, I, I really enjoy. The um the music panel where where Rose plays her violin. Uh the the caption for it is you spend 47 seconds playing. Playing yeah, playing a violin piece. It's a, yeah. it's a complete waste of time. Great job. Yeah, while well, her friend is potentially out there <laughs> dying. But hey. But, but he doesn't uh, die. It speaks, to, it speaks to the character of Rose that she would do yeah. that for me. She sucks. <laughs> I hate her. I really hate Rose's personality and the things she does and how she acts. Ugh. But yes, you're right. He doesn't die. John survives, mm-hmm. as does his house, as as does Dad. But Be- nothing else. Nothing, nothing else. else. Yeah, his his house is just on a spire in the middle of a void. That's it. His house is just a tower of rock. Um, with a deep chasm going down beneath. Just- Inky blackness in 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 all directions, mm-hmm. and the sky above, and nothing else. And uh, then 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 we kind of just step away from John for a while, while Rose futzes about trying to get back online. She she uh, has no, the no, no, she no. has the concentrate. Oh, no. is this not not quite yet? No. Uh, what happens when we when we see that John has survived is that his sprite splits into. Oh, oh yes. in three. Uh, yep. one, one goes to the above, to the sky. One goes down into the chasm. And um, then we get the point-and-click adventure section. The, the, yes. the most technically innovative part of Homestuck so far. Yeah, Homestuck for, for a single panel becomes a video game. Yeah, yeah. And I thought this was really good. I, I was really impressed with what they were able to pull off here. Uh, so you can take John, yeah, he, you can stroll about his house and interact with the items, get little bits of uh, information and lore. Uh, every every item has like multiple click throughs that you can mm. go through to examine them. Um, yeah, like it, 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 the control that. the controls are a little clunky, I think. But mm-hmm. but you're you're, wor- you're working with what you've got, like you. you this this wasn't coded in an engine or anything. It was running entirely off of off of the same flash tools he was using for the animations. So yeah, mo- moving a character around what is actually a two D space, but is is meant to be sort in semi sort of three D is 
Yeah, a I, little I can't unintuitive even, at times. Yeah, I can't even conceptualize in my head how you would really how you would do that just because I don't know how to make things. Mm. But when you compare it to the most interactive sequence before this, which was probably not the strife, it was probably actually the first time you put suburb in, you could mess with the menus. This is uh multiple levels beyond in terms of, like technical prowess of what's going on here. Yeah. You've got multiple some... scenes that you can stroll through. Um, mm. Like there, there's, there's a lot in this. There there's is a, a camera lot. And... that tracks you as well. Yeah, and uh, plot-wise, there is a new development here as well because there's, there is now a voice that seems to be actively speaking to John in mm. the in the click-throughs. There, all of the initial prompts for the click-throughs are now in block capitals and seem to be coming from a point of view. Yeah, yeah. Which wasn't the case before John entered the game, as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, John, at this point, switches away from, like, using his computer to communicate with people. He he finds his dad's PDA. It's not exactly this point, but, um, like, he's sort of taking his PDA around the house with him and talking to his friends. um, And and this still gets caught up in the the dumb capture log stuff, because... They invent an arbitrary rule where you can't actually read the PDA if it's in the middle of your inventory. It has to be on the edges of your inventory to be able to read it, which it's, again, just more busy work. Yeah. Mm. God, fuck the capture log. Fuck you, hussy. (laughs) What is this shit? Don't waste my time. I want to read the other stuff you've got going on here, not this stuff. But at least John is able to find a different uh, method of using the capture log. Now he's able to use uh, first in, last out as well as first in, first out. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still like sort of trapped in suburb. Like John can't interact with his house himself. Um, like all the things that Rose did to his house before the meteor struck are still extant. Mm. Uh, there's still a mess all around his house from where she's damaged it. He's um, reliant on Rose for for gameplay purposes, but Rose yeah. has all of these problems with her internet connection and the power going out that mm. she's basically a, a liability most of the time. Yeah, and he, he's getting instructions from that from this other voice that you mentioned including one that tells him to die. One tells him to die. Yeah, quite rude. Yeah, one t- one t- tells him to jump off the 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 end of uh, the the long walkway that Rose built. It's mm. not uh, not not very helpful. I, I feel like this is a good quick opportunity to point out. Um, we mentioned that like Viz Butcher, um, like a lot of the the video segments of uh, Homestuck. Um, or the yeah you know, the flash animation by turning them into video. This is a mm. particular bit that gets especially butchered. I the have seen around, the video. Of, yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen the video of it now. It is inscrutable at times. Like they just go too fast, and some of it yeah, is they, actually they just click just through all of the text. Yeah, yeah, and some of it is actually just depicted as like images in the comic. Like it, uh, like it's just turned into a panel, unmoving. Like just a, a a row of panels going down the page, and like this is not the it's same not, experience. Not, it, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's 
fundamentally inferior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just needed a quick sip of a drink. Um, but John is stumbling about his house trying to figure out what's going on. And what would he do? He would bumble into his nana's ashes that are on a mantelpiece in his living room. And they they fall down. And... So he, he he doesn't he doesn't actually bumble into them. What he what he's doing is he's in another room doing inventory shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. And I, he and he look, fires a heavy object. I would like to remove all memory in <laughs> my mind of this stupid capture log stuff. Let me do that. Let me have my piece. Okay, okay. Yeah, but he's bumbling about the house doing things, and he somehow knocks. This uh, this pile of ashes, which he's already knocked down once already today. Um, we we glance by it, but uh, yeah, he he knocked over the ashes when he was looking for the game originally, and it falls onto um, the sprite, if I remember rightly, and it gets prototyped. Yeah. Yes, and what <clears throat> what happens with the um, the Harlequin earlier was also a prototype. Yeah, yeah. So prototyping is when a a sprite incorporates aspects of a an external object into itself. Mm-hmm. So what while the sprite was up to now a clown face with a disembodied hand, now it is John's grandmother with a disembodied yeah. hand and a clown's personality, but it's still John's grandmother. Uh, yeah, this is, I guess, the complete form that we are looking at. We have now been shown Nana Sprite, our friend. I like Nana Sprite. <laughs> well, she, she, we don't we we don't see much of her in this run, but she like, and it, and we we haven't heard much about Nana's like role in the family because. Uh, as as John as John tells it, Nana died when he was very young. Yeah, he, barely, he doesn't remember. He barely knew Nana. Yeah, um, but, but, but Na- Nana Nana clearly really really loves John from, in the familial sense. He she's mm-hmm. she she is happy to be alive again in in a sense. Like uh, whether you can call this being alive is, <laughs> is and she still loves but. baked goods, just like her son. And hopefully, yeah, we, just like John fi- to come, we find out that uh, that Dad's obsession with with baking comes directly from Nana. Mm. Nana, Nana is the 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 source of the of the the baking joy in Dad's heart. And I think that will happen with John as well. That is a prediction I am willing to make here. I think John will eventually come to like and respect baking. That that would that would be growth, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be character yeah. growth. Um, at this time, we have the awful rap um, that Dave is working but, on. That happens yeah, right so, now. So, yeah, the, this is this is a roundabout when we actually get introduced to Dave proper. Mm. Um, but uh, we don't see much of him just yet. He comes a tiny bit later. Before we go yeah. right to that. Uh, Rose gets connection again very briefly and accidentally picks up and drops um, 
the da- car. Yeah, Dave's dad, <laughs> uh, not Dave's dad, John's dad's car. And it falls down into the chasm below. And just, that- just, she picks it up, she's carrying it over to a safe spot, and then connection dropped. Mm-hmm. Car falls on onto the, the, the sides of the, this, the stone pillar that uh, the house is resting on, and the pillar just crumbles beneath it, sending the car into the abyss. And importantly, there is another gift. A green gift inside of that car, waiting for John. So he never gets it. He never gets the gift. It's tra- uh, trapped inside the car, which is lost forever now. Yeah, never he's, never going to, he's never going to go down into the car. never going to see the car again. We're never going to find out what was in that gift. Yeah, it's called Homestuck. He's never going to leave the house. He's never going to leave this house, no. Mm. Um... So yeah, this is where the uh, the negrosity line comes from around this section because we, like, Dave is typing his rap. John walks away from the PDA, <laughs> which is talks very funny. To, yeah, talks to Rose. She drops the car, and we go back, and Dave is still writing his rap. He's added like another whole page of stuff in this time. He just does not. He is not aware of what is going on. He doesn't care. And I don't blame him. What, I don't blame him. One thing you can't accuse Dave of is a, is a great sense of awareness. <laughs> uh, but this, this is the time that we do switch over to, to Dave. Because John, uh, he's chatting with Dave and he mentions, um, could you bring your copy of Suburb to, to Rose? She's lost her connection. I need you to do that. And we see Dave's house. And he has swords on the wall. He is a he, guy. He has, he has a load of swords. He has a webcomic. It's mm-hmm. a very famous webcomic. It's it's a webcomic loads of people who have never read Homestuck are aware of. So Dave Strider is technically more famous than Andrew Hussey. It is, of course, Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. I don't know. What that means, really? You, so you you had no exposure to Sweet Joe, and, uh, Sweet Bro, and Hella Jeff before this. No, no. You've never you've never seen. So you, you, I assume you read the comic as part of this, like the the link through to the Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff page. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the but, the comic about falling down the 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 stairs was a huge meme. In web like internet forum circles, from like the start of Homestuck stuck through to now, like regular regularly referenced for like time to be a huge piece of shit and play these video games all day. Like it was, it originated actually outside of Homestuck. It came from like a thread on the Penny Arcade forums where people were making fun of uh, some guy's bad fan comic. And Andrew Hussey just came into the thread and started posting like this as a parody of that bad webcomic. And he incorporated it into Homestuck after the facts. Yeah, but, but I have no exposure to this at all. Like I've I, I don't think I've ever actually seen an image of Sweet Bro and Howard Jeff before actually reading Homestuck. Okay. No, I I I I I, I could not possibly have the numbers, but I would hazard a guess that more people 
have seen Sweetbro and Hella Jeff than have seen Homestuck. Mm. Like more people have been exposed to it. Yeah, I, I I definitely haven't. Like I don't know how I missed something that you say was so uh, universally appreciated. Um, but I I guess I just I I am the exception to the case, and I didn't ever see it growing up. And I would have been growing up at the time that it that yeah. it happened. Um, like what what year is Sweet Bro and Hello Jeff from? Two thousand nine, same same year that Homestuck started. Yeah, I would have been fifteen. Um, I was definitely online at that point. Um, I just didn't see it. I guess. Yeah. No, I, I I first saw it like completely out of context from Homestuck. Like, I I saw Sweetbro and Hello Jeff in two thousand and nine, and didn't read Homestuck until like mm. later in two late two thousand and ten. So mm. yeah, he's, even he's... even uh, even early on, it had reach outside of Homestuck. Yeah, Dave is messing with this uh, this web comic Sweetbro and Hello Jeff, and you very quickly notice something here, which is. Uh, the events of Dave in the plot aren't contemporaneous with the events of what is happening with John and no. Rose. Yeah, like this is like a few hours before because it goes through a conversation. Like one of the first conversations um, John has uh, is with Dave, and Dave's wishing him happy birthday. And then he's going through his cupboard and he says that he found a jar of. Uh, of like lemon juices like that was apple it? juice apple juice it? that's it yeah a dave loves his juice. aj mm. it's his favorite drink um and what happens is it plays through the other side of that conversation so originally you saw it from john's perspective now you see it from dave's perspective including him going into the cupboard and finding the apple juice of course um so i don't know why Dave would so, be happening at a different time to John. And so, this, in terms of the plot, this is in service of showing why Dave hasn't been able to play the game. Because in the past, from our perspective now, Dave was about to drink this apple juice, but then got into some inventory management shenanigans Ooh, and ends up fighting. And it ends up firing apple juice all over his co- copies of the game, which uh, he hangs up to single. Um, there's a second copy in the house, but he only ruins one of them. I, no, sorry, it's two. It's two discs. There's the 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 server disc and the client disc. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. So to try and salvage them, he hangs them up on the clothesline to dry near an open window. When suddenly, a feathery asshole flies into the, into the building. It's a crow. It attacks the discs. That... It attacks the discs because it's an idiot crow who doesn't know better. Mm-hmm. And and because of the, the inane way that uh, Dave's inventory management system works, he points at the crow and shouts, stop, and this results in him firing a sword out of his inventory. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to go we... into why that happens. It's just how his inventory works. Yeah, and it impales the bird against the wall. Well, not against the wall, out the window. Yeah, it goes out out the the window. Fully out the window. Yeah. With the discs. Yeah, like, the the bird is gone. I don't know why I thought it was against the wall for a moment now. I just remember it hits something, but it is the window itself it hits, if I remember rightly. 
Yeah, no, it break, breaks through the window, sending both the bird, the sword, and the discs out mm. into into the streets below. Yeah. And uh, this time, like, we're sort of exploring the, the dynamic of Dave and his brother. Uh, we did glance entirely past, like, Rose's uh, dynamic with her mother as we saw it happen, but we, we've already discussed that in the We already discussed bit. it for the most part, and we'll, we'll be yeah. back with, with Rose in the next stretch, so we'll have plenty more to talk about on, on that. That's the thing. Like, these conversations will obviously be ongoing. Yeah, they're progressive conversations. Especially um, this this cutoff point is the most arbitrary cutoff point in in my roadmap. So mm. we are we are cutting some plots yeah. shorter than they should actually be in terms of actual the pacing of the comic. But we are going back and forth uh, when we're looking at Dave to John and also to Rose. Um, what we see with John is that um, you could see this in the point and click adventure. If you went all the way down through the house, you went through to the mm. kitchen. But there's a black goop inside of of John's kitchen, and it's yeah, where, where Dad sort of was spreading. Seen. Yeah, it's sort of spreading. It's it's expanding. It seems like uh, drag marks the... on the floor, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I guess this is where uh, we discuss more data structures, of course. Because uh, that's all I've got written in my notes here for a whole page of. Just me angry about inventory management stuff here. Just angry w- about it. It will end eventually. <sighs> it, 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 it will be a slow process, but it'll, mm. it'll eventually just get phased out Yeah, almost completely. Actually, what happens here is uh, Rose gets into her fight with her mom, her strife section. This fucking sucks. It, not, well, not the animation. It's good animation. It, yeah. It's it's, eh, it's the first. It's, it's it's better than the previous animations. It, it's if better is more than sure. It it has more possible options in it. it. Does not necessarily mean it's better. It's the same concept. It's not advanced in any meaningful capacity beyond that. Like you, you are still just playing out one animation by clicking a button, then yes. clicking another one. Like it, yeah, it's not iterating. It's just a new installment of it. Um, mm. But in this one, we still have Inja. Well, we have Abjur still. I think uh, we we have yeah. Uh, it's Aggrieve, Abjur, mm-hmm. Passive Aggress, and I forget what the fourth one is. But they're all A terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is Rose threatening Pas- to commit suicide. Yes, that's passive yeah. aggress. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like uh, a performance of her trying to kill herself, which... It, it's an em- it is very explicitly an empty suicide threat because she's sticking her sewing needles into a plug socket during a power outage and also their plastic needles. So doubly, it wouldn't do anything. Yeah, but those you fucking suck. Uh, if this is what you you think is yeah. getting at your mum, yeah, uh, owning the libs by sticking your uh, your sewing needles in the plugs. I don't know why owning the libs is what comes to mind there. You you you're, you think uh, Rose is a is a conservative? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're getting yeah. into the the political compass alignments of the characters in. I'm, in have you seen her house? 
I'm going to say that there was probably uh, some farms associated with that house like 300 years ago. Um, they've you got to like, one, yeah, you, you have to wonder legacy. how that was paid for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, she's got skeletons in that closet, uh, not just tentacles, and she doesn't want Not just wizards. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, <sighs> what do you actually think of, like, you know I hate Rose so much at this point. What, Ro- what is Rose, your Rose, view? Rose is a shitty kid, and her relationship with her mother is is bad. Like, uh, yeah, no, e- even even like just completely out of the context of anything else. Further on in the comic, we, we, we you have to have a lot of trust in Rose as a narrator to actually consider her position to be a particularly bad one. Yes. Will, uh, do you think I'll ever find it in myself to be able to like Rose? Mm. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I, can't, I can't speak to how you'd react to any characters. Because, yeah, because do you people like, eventually like her? I mean... Yes, like, uh, like she, she, she has her problems, just like every, like, that's 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 the thing. Like, a lot of these characters have deep seated issues that they need to deal with, and in overcoming those issues, they can they can be relatable, and they can be charming, and they can they can have have moments. Like Rose, Rose isn't particularly one of my favorite characters but if i would just if if do i like her yeah sure like she she she's got plenty going on she's a she's a rich character oh she's rich all right she's rich (laughs) yeah i can see that house yeah all right maybe i'll come around to her in time but for now oh do she's, not. she's 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 certainly not coming across as sympathetic, and no, I don't think I don't think all. she she I don't think she would be to most people in mm. in your in your reading position. Yeah, um, but this isn't the only um, strife section that happens right here. Another one happens right after John. It, yeah, he yeah. has a strife. With an imp? with, and that's that's the term. Yes, it, it's 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 a little a little yeah, it's a little imp, basically. You were trying and so we, hard not to say some sort of spoiler there. No, I was trying not hard hard not to just say black because <laughs> because if you talk about <laughs> little black imps, that might give the wrong impression. But <laughs> oh, we got a real Dave Strider in here. Um... But yeah, uh, hex, hex code zero 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 zero. You forgot an additional zero. Sorry. Thank you. Bad with hex codes. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're always six. Uh, please. I think. Nah, they can. I think they can be longer. It depends if you put transparency in them. Ah. I'm not I sure. Was wondering. Yeah. Um. 
Anyway, uh, the, anyway. yes, yeah, no, yeah. John, John is accosted by by a a weird creature, seeming who has seemingly emerged from the the inky blackness surrounding the house. Yeah, he's a goop imp. He came out of the goop. And this is actually the better strife section than than Rose's. There is more going on here, uh, not technically speaking, but it tries to present itself more as a conflict. Oh yeah, yeah, because it is the first like actual like like it, in your mind if you're saying that the two previous strifes were were essentially figments of the characters' imaginations as, mm. as it were. This is actually happening. Yeah, yeah, this it, is as far as, as far as we should ever be be able to infer like this is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is sort of going at it with uh, stick. It, it's it. So the head fell off of yeah, the, off the um, hammer. Yeah, the sledgehammer, the, ha- the sledgehammer that he was using. So he has the head of the sledgehammer separately in his inventory from the handle of the mm. sledgehammer. And uh, he he's a sort of swinging the stick at this point uh, from it, the handle from this hammer. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot to say about these strife sections. Uh, I'll be honest; uh, they really are more just a a button that lets you play like four or five different animations. Um, mm. So and, and and again, like for going back to the context that we set up in the previous episode, this is this is Hussey's first professional foray into Flash. So yeah, he, he's he's he's. He's probably learning as he's going along here. Mm-hmm. He's I'm, he's doing what he can when he can. I'm sort of waiting for him to actually insert just a, an actual JRPG battle, like fully mechanicked, um, that he can go back and forth with. Well, the, I don't the know problem if he will, that but... is that, because would would you want to have to factor in fail states for that? Like, if if are you expecting someone to be able to play a game and win? I think you can hand wave fail states quite easily. I, I okay. don't. I don't think you need to have an in-universe explanation for what happens if you lose. You just bang up every try button. That way, the only canon path is you winning. Like, like the okay. games. Actual games don't feel need uh, or justification. So would, would you would you say part of the issue with the strife so far is also that they don't have a resolution? Yeah, yeah. Like, is that part of why you'd want a JRPG battle because that would actually have have a concrete resolution to the fight? Maybe. I, I'm not sure. I've not. I've not logic this out in my own mind as much as maybe I could. I, I, and and I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not. Demanding that you that you have an answer because again it's 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 your it's your own it's your own like way to 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 view these things. It's just like I I'm trying I'm trying to also figure out like if if that sort of thing could ever have really been possible, and if if anything that if it's if if a JRPG battle is meaningfully different than just watching a fight play out if the the the, the ability to have a fail state is forced out of it. 
Well, I don't. I I think you're trapped on this thing of the fail state when actual games usually don't have anything to say about a fail state. They almost never attempt to explain what that means. When you fail a a raid in Final Fantasy XIV, it does not have a branch in the plot where uh, you've got to explain what happened there. It just assumes no. it didn't happen. Like that right. was that was the universe in which you just lost. Okay, we don't care about that. That's not what's happening here. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the the one where you get through to the end. Like, I, I think you're you're attempting to put too much logic into it. Where I've put very little. Maybe, maybe. Um, but I've not read Homestuck, and you have. I think my feelings about it are possibly painted by the fact that I'm I'm reading this in 2023. It's the time where. That kind a of lot inter- more is possible. Yeah, yes. a lot more is possible. That level of interactivity is stuff we've seen in you, visual novels. That are you know, Carl? If you wanted to play something that was like Homestuck, <laughs> but also a JRPG, there, there's, there's this game that was released um, by someone who was involved with Homestuck. Actually. You see, the thing is, I don't have this tokenistic <laughs> love and reverence for Earthbound and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, Ooh. Yeah, I, I don't. You're not going to make any friends with that sort of take. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, someday I'll go back and play. Um, go back and play Undertale. But what you know, what I'm getting at is that. Oh yes, yes. No, absolutely. Like there, are, there are very linear visual novels that have. It's just it. It does sounds like what you, what you you ideally want in in Homestuck as you're reading it is for an Undertale battle to start up or something like that. Oh no, I'd, I'd rather just have an actual battle rather than an Undertale battle. I did not like the battle mechanics of Undertale. Okay. Yeah, like, they felt like busy work to me. Like, oh, here's like this little mini game you got to do to try and do this type of... Att-. In fact, now this won't win me any friend. It's like in <laughs> Yik when they have a mini game for every different type of battle mechanic. I don't want to fucking do that. I imagine a bunch of people just closed the podcast because I compared all of the it to the fans. All of the no, they're part of the chest. Like, yeah. you... No, they're happy. They finally got compared to to a quality product. Yeah, I'm saying that. I'm saying Undertale is a quality product. It is definitely a quality product in a way that Yik is not. Um, but I just don't didn't like it that much when I played it at release. And I think That's fandom from, of it might also be a big impact. For, yes, pro- probably, probably. It, it was an intense, an intense time on the internet because we we were coming off of Homestuck at the time, so there was a lot of there was a lot of misdirected energy in the in the Undertale fandom from that as well. Oh, I just I I I'm just talking about a few particular characters of which we are both familiar with who. Uh, uh, moments notice would happily uh, just post nothing but Megalovania remixes. Yeah, that was that was a dark time. Yeah, bad posting, bad posting. We anyway. really need to finish this this episode. Yeah, yeah. We how did. how is it that we've already talked about this run before and we've gone on longer this time than we did the first time round? Yeah, the first time round was like an almost three hour episode that was. Uh, 
that was both this episode and the previous <laughs> one combined. We've had our f- we're about to enter our fifth hour of recording. We we for- can't let it happen. <laughs> no, we can't. Well, to be fair, there's about fifteen minutes in the middle of this, which is not actually not going to be heard. Shh. They know we took a break. They know we took a break. I said we're going to know it was fifteen minutes. Uh, Okay, no, seriously, we need we need to we need to get on to the end of this. Yeah, uh, John. We need to talk about Skya. Yeah, John. John beats the uh, the imp. The imp is dead, um, and it explodes into grist and shale. Yes. So we've this this the implication is that the imp was made of shale. Mm-hmm. Shale is is a material that is separate from build grist and unique to these imps. Yeah, and it's also like a type of rock in the in the real world. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not it's not actual shale. Obviously, it's it's fruit gushers. It's the same is the same fruit gusher shape as as build grist is. <sighs> what is a fruit gush? It's it's like a jet. I'm not sure if it's gelatin, but it's like little, little, um, what, what's the name of the shape? Um, I know what the shape is. I just, I just mean like, what is it like as a sweet? But no, what, what is the name of the shape? It's sort of like a, it's like a hexagon. Isosahedron? Yeah, Let's go with that. Yeah. They're isosahedral gelatin shaped packages of fruit flavored like gelatin. With like a fruit flavored syrup inside, oh, okay. That you bite so into, mm. and then the the syrup like gushes into your mouth, like okay. you get a flavor yeah. explosion. Yeah, we had a bunch of those, not by that name, um, like come out like fifteen years ago. I remember now. Yeah, what was the name of that type of sweet? It's not important. Abs- absolutely no idea. Yeah, no, uh, uh, it's not important. No, because uh, this is a long episode. Um, he gets a viscosity upgrade from beating this. That <laughs> we cannot get into the nebulous nature of like the viscosity upgrade and the etcher ladder and the boon bucks he gets. Yeah, like we cannot cover all of that stuff now. Yeah. We don't have the time. Yeah, I, but I don't know what viscosity upgrade really means. <laughs> okay, so you, in the, in the strife when they were hitting each other, they had the health files above yep. their head, right? Mm-hmm. And the and instead of a normal health bar, it was a bit of glass like getting knocked out of like a gel block. Mm-hmm. This viscosity is meant to be like the health indicator by which like the more viscous your gel block block is, <laughs> the slower your health file is knocked out of it. So the more health you have, Sorry. it's health but in reverse and stupid. <sighs> The more viscous your health file is. No, the the goo around the health file because the health file is the glass. <laughs> Home sucks stupid. <laughs> and we don't have time to get into every little minu- little bit of minutiae about how stupid it is. Sometimes it's just stupid for being stupid's sake, sake and it's not important. Ah uh, the cum glass. That viscous material. Anyway, um, Dave, uh, we cut to Dave. He's still sort of 
he's coming to the realization that maybe there's something wrong with his brother's puppetry. He seems to be having doubts at this point, but it's still supportive. They're still supportive. But we then open up uh, a new thing, the spite log. Nana finally talks. She talks to Dave, uh, not to Dave, to to John. <laughs> she talks. She just goes away and talks to. She Dave. just goes over and talks to this random boy. You know, you're a nice lad. You seem to like your parents and family, unlike my ungrateful fuck. Um, but yeah, she she talks to John. Uh, she's really nice to him, um, but she also gives us a massive law exposition. It's like um, it's like. The remaining pages are just Nan talking. It's it's all law, and it's the first real indication of what the actual plot of Homestuck might really be yeah. outside of John futzing around in his house. And it's why I'm the- happy you chose to stop it here instead of like end of Act One. If I got to end of Act right. One, I'd be like, this still fucking sucks. But this sets up some stuff that I want. It's, yes, yeah, because like yeah, at the end of Act One, like John is has his house has disappeared and it's in a black void, and you know nothing about the black voids. Mm. And but what you do ma- know is that you've spent three hundred odd pages talking about fucking capture logs. Like, end of Act One is a bad place to end an act because nothing happens in it other than rock fall from sky. Hmm. But but this the the kind of the song of Skya um, law dump where Nana essentially lays out the the very basic cosmology of mm-hmm. this world and the sort of overarching quest as it was. She's ex- she explains that the apocalypse has essentially started. That's yeah. That that by by. The, that meteor landing on John's house, that's the first of Earth's inevitable destruction. And that's now John, as being a player in this game, is tasked with creating something new using using the framework of the game and this entity known as Skya, in which yeah. there is a kind of cosmic... It's framed as a chess battle. There's a little animation of of a chessboard forming within Skya with a, a white set and a black set. The white being the forces of creation and black being the forces of destruction. Mm-hmm. And John's initial thought to this is like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to go save the world, right? That's my quest." And Nan is just like, "Nope, no, world's the, gone. The, no, the world's gone. You, yep. you can't go back, John." Yeah, it's already done. Um, sorry about that one. Um, but Walt, Walt's fucked. Walt's just gone. And John's like, oh, very oh. quick to accept that. Very quick it, to accept that everything he al- knew is gone. Almost as if he, di- he didn't have much to lose. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we, we do see shots of like uh, Rose and Dave's houses. Like after the meteor had landed, and the stuff around them is not yet gone. So there's some weird break happening here. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so Rose has had the the meteor showers around her the forest that she lives in, which has started some forest fires, but no big meteors. And Dave 
Dave, the city that Dave's in seems to be fairly normal. There's a heat wave, but that's about it. And obviously, we don't know what Garden Gnostic's situation is. Yeah. So, well, so the apocalypse seems to be happening, but not not imminently. Yeah. If, if we're if we're to assume that that everyone sh- everyone's going to be affected by it. But there's also uh, another sort of clue that it might be something skewish about what's happening here, which is that when Dave gets uh, not Dave, why do I keep saying Dave? When John gets uh, his dad's PDA. Um, his, his dad's friends, who he can see on his PDA, are still chatting with each other. Um, yeah, there's there's an app on it called Serious Business, where all yeah. of dad's serious business friends are, who usually talk mostly about ties and briefcases and hats. Yeah, and it's, sort of it's LinkedIn for guys that smoke pipes. Yeah, but there's, there's one user in the chats called Fedora Freak, who is <laughs> reporting that uh, the house next to his has been completely destroyed yeah yeah but he he he, he's still there he's still alive he's still Uh, fine yeah and and who who knows who knows what might be happening with him in the future Mm. for the the fact that i know his name may be yeah he's a character (laughs) i guess he's a character Uh, he's he's a character in a sense yes i'm gonna say he's probably dad that's probably dad's username I don't think Dad would lie about it being the house next to his that blew up. Well, his didn't blow up. And also, Dad's username is PipeFan413. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I do think it's worth pointing out that Dad's house didn't blow up. No, the, one, it does, the, one, the ones next to him all did, but his didn't. Yeah, so so Fedora Freak is, is obviously posting from some other locale, which is also experiencing... Meteors falling and destroying houses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but and and, it, oh. and if if John's house didn't get destroyed by the meteor falling because he managed to enter the game successfully, maybe we can infer that houses being destroyed are houses that didn't enter the game successfully. Question mark. Or. What I think might be possible as well. Houses that did enter the game successfully, um, and everyone else's houses is normal. Like the 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 meteors are having very limited areas of effect, is what you're saying. No, it's like a inverse effect. What John's like? Ah, uh, you're you're saying you're saying that it looks like on in on Earth it looks like John's yeah. house is being destroyed, but. In it John's is. new world, it looks like everything else has been yeah, destroyed. Yeah, like yeah. Um, like it's just splitting the world at that point. Splitting it's him like into it's, cut, it's cut it out like a chunk. Yeah. And deposited yeah. it elsewhere. Yeah, it could be like that. It's, it's what my current thought is, but it's probably not that. That would be a bit weird, let's be honest. Well, there's plenty. There's plenty of stuff that's that seems a bit weird going on so far. Yeah, you, so could, you can't rule something out based on it being. Yeah, like a, a nice viscosity upgrade. Um, lots of weird stuff in this. Um, but Nana Sprite continues. Um, she explains that when when the sprites split, uh, one third went up, one third went down, and there's like these little hanging nubs like uh these slots the uh 
knobs. Why yeah, did they're I go like with the word orbs. Knobs? Yeah, yeah, they're no, they're, yeah, they're 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 like glass orbs on the top of towers, mm-hmm. like f- four four normal towers on in the up place, and four inverted towers on the down place. Mm-hmm. And, and each of and one of the towers in each place has incorporated the split sprite into itself. Mm-hmm. And there are four slots, and we have four characters. So it's probably a safe assumption that each of our four people will eventually get their sprite up there, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but world's gone. This is gone. Yeah, we know the stakes now that yep. that the world is ending and there's nothing that can be done about it other than playing the game mm. and and doing what the game wants. And then for four thirty nine, we see once more the person that is commanding John before cutting to our final chapter, our mm. final page. He, he, he finds some cans. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then we see Rose's guide, which continues to be worthless. It's so long. It's it it's, it gets worse every time we see it. I hope actually they keep doing Rose's game FAQs guide as this keeps going. I want to see what it's like at page eight. You, 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 you want the big payoff at the end to be w- to be the F- the FAQ. Yeah, I want the the end product of Homestuck to be a complete game FAQs guide that you can find on game FAQs. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be like it That would be a good twist, yes. I I think it would be interesting for a story to write its own Wikipedia page in the story. That is a concept. I I might edit that mm. out. I I, I might and, Andrew Hussey do not steal. Yeah, do not steal, Andrew. Um for the big ideas. I just think it's very funny and silly. A skit about like writing a Wikipedia page that forms its own Wikipedia page. It's dumb. It's, I'm going to leave it in. It's not that good. <laughs> no, edit it out. We need to edit out as much as possible so this episode isn't <laughs> isn't endless. If you are still listening, thank you very much for sticking with us until yeah. now. Yeah, uh, join us uh, next time as we discuss pages one to four forty, part two. <laughs> There's so much more to we, say. We we cover all of the stuff we didn't talk about this time, like like Carl's grist rants. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the capture log. There's more to say. There Did we get the wrong side of the coin? If you have anything to add, because obviously we we. There's a lot we did not cover. Feel yes. free to email in. Carl, what is the email address? You can contact us here at A Colossal Wasted Time by emailing us at theapuk at gmail.com. You can send either an email itself or you can email over an audio recording and I will figure out some way to stick it into the episode. And if you are reading along at home, which you shouldn't be, I keep saying this, but you're you do. You're a coward if you don't. You're a coward if you don't. You're with Next us episode. or you're against us. Next episode, we are going for a significantly shorter stretch. We are going up to the end of Act 2, which is page 758. And even though it's a shorter stretch, it will still be a longer episode. We're, we're, we're going to... Stop by on some on some friends we've already met, and maybe 
check in on some new people. Yeah, I'm happy to finally be able to progress in the story of Homestuck. We, we, we've been stuck here for a while. <laughs> yes, we have been. We have been stuck at the home point. Anyway. Um, we're done. Nine out, eight hours of recording later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, I've been Carl. I've been Fraser. Thank you so much for, for being with us here. Mm-hmm. And this has been a colossal waste of time. See you next time, folks. See you next time.